Welcome everybody to Hooligan Radio, the podcast that talks movies, gaming, true crimes, cryptids, conspiracies, and a whole bunch of other stuff. we got a great episode for you here today. We're talking about Sony, we're talking about Birds of Prey, Cats, we're still talking about. Zach got some news for us, and we got a main topic about the history of social media. But first, my name is Josh. I'm joined here by Isaiah. Zach, how you guys doing? What up? Uh, doing great, doing great. <laughs> and we have a very special guest here with us today, my brother, Chris. How you doing today? How's it going? Really, really excited to be here, guys. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, we've been kind of waiting a while for the right time for you to come on the podcast for a few reasons, but the biggest one recently, uh, you've started this new endeavor, Lava Clothing Company. You want to go ahead and talk about it a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I am super, super stoked about this. Uh, it's actually something that I've been wanting to get to uh, on my own for a while now. Uh, some things just formulating and ideas, uh, like any passion, uh, similar to anybody that wants to go on their own endeavor. Uh, trying to get the right idea, the right timing to do it, and yeah, a lot of things, uh, a lot of things really hit correctly with this one. Um, kind of organically uh, came up on its own, and essentially, it's a clothing company. Uh, I, the whole idea, the uh, premise of this was I, um, I wanted to get a North Face jacket or um, or like a winter jacket, and it's just so expensive. And I am so picky about the material, what it is that I wear. Uh, so I'm just like, you know, when this whole thing came about, I'm like, Lava is a brand that is just the word itself. Uh, is What do you think of when you when you hear the word Lava? You think of warmth. Um, I wanted to do something that was really high quality, made with a lot of passion of my own. Um, and people could really see like, like good quality, warm clothing for an affordable price. So... Uh, the, the designs I'm coming up with, I really want it to appeal. I want it to be slick. Um, I really want some dope stuff. So, uh, brought in some stuff for you guys to, to check out, uh, give your opinions on, uh, you can find it on, uh, on Instagram, lava clothing company, all one word. You can search it on there and, uh, would love the, the follow some of the love. And we always, uh, we always like to talk back, give feedback that stuff's welcome, so I appreciate you guys having me in. Yeah, and uh, we did try it on, the stuff that you brought in here today. It's very comfortable, and I really like the design, Isaiah. What do you think? Yeah, I think that the mock-ups that you brought in are super dope. I actually um, am in the beginning phases of starting a streetwear brand with one of my friends, so it'll be interesting that That's I'll have somebody awesome. to bounce off like ideas of where we should go from where. Like, you're already... 10 steps ahead of me with the mock-ups so <laughs> yeah but yeah the pieces that you showed um there's one specific piece that we uh josh and i tried on it's like super comfortable um so whoever you're getting your your actual textiles from they know what they're doing and then the design on it it like josh said i won't take credit for it the review but the the v kind of pops and i know that's what kind of like your logo kind of shows yeah um, so yeah, I'm a big fan of that. And then these bracelets that you left us, uh, for friends of the podcast, they're pretty cool too. I'm excited to wear this quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, the, the biggest thing with it that I want to make sure I mention is, you know, obviously comfortability, the, uh, the, the products you guys tried on, um, what made them so special is a lot of times you buy, you buy a sweater you like cause it looks nice or it's comfortable when you first buy it. The thing with this is I want it to be longevity. I want this to be a sweater. I want this to be t-shirts that you 
consistently look forward to wearing. I know we all have certain clothes, certain shirts in our closet, in our dresser drawers that we enjoy wearing. And it's like, okay, when I'm going to go out, I want to wear this out. I think it looks nice. And everyone has that. Certain things come to mind. But um, one of the big things, as you mentioned, that V popping out, what it is, is it's a uh, it's kind of a dark-based lava clothing company um, a wording brand on the uh, on the shirt, and then you see a red V, a lava V, as I call it. Uh, one of the big reasons I picked that red V is because, you know, like I said earlier, um, with what you correlate with lava, heat, all of that, uh, for every order when we open the store end of March uh, is when I look to go forward live on this. Um, the $2 for every, uh, for every order is going to go toward a thin red line for our firefighters. It's actually the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation, something to give back uh, to the families that lose that lose their loved ones doing doing just that, right. fighting fire, mm-hmm. uh, fighting the heat for all of us. So uh, there's ton more ideas, ton more things I'll be coming out with. But again, I appreciate all the feedback, negative and positive. I really do. I'm so mm-hmm. pumped. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. awesome. Um, <clears throat> so there you go, guys. Check that out. And um, let's jump into the news. If it's cool with you guys, I feel like it's been a little while since I've gone first. So I'll go ahead and, and talk about mine here. Wait a minute. Wait. We yeah. gotta, we got to bring it up. Is this officially the first CEO that we have on the podcast? I believe so. <laughs> first CEO for our steps to be Joe Rogan in the history podcast. Yeah. Once right. in about a time. <laughs> yeah, you go ahead and get started with the news. But I just wanted to make sure everybody knew about our milestone. Right? Yeah. It's a milestone for us. The first podcast of the CEO's career. <laughs> there you go. So uh, we talked a couple weeks ago about Birds of Prey when the first reviews started coming out. Uh, Birds of Prey, the Harley Quinn movie. And the reviews were actually pretty positive on social media we talked about after our episode the Rotten Tomatoes score came out and it was actually in the low 90s I think it's settled to like somewhere in the 80s now so it was generally getting very positive uh, reviews and it got a B plus cinema score so for anybody that doesn't know cinema score uh, actually takes about 20,000 audience members randomly on a Friday night cinema score will go to random theaters and say hey what did you think of this movie A plus through F Uh, so it's kind of like a Friday night opening night uh, rating of what the audience thought. B plus is pretty good. Um, you'd be surprised with Cinema Score once you get into like B minus C. That's actually very bad. <laughs> um, but B plus is pretty good. It's not amazing, obviously, but it was doing well in that regard. But no one saw the movie. So the weekend that it came out. Um, and we talked before when we talked about Doolittle and uh, Cats, kind of how budgets work and everything like that. So uh, Birds of Prey has a reported budget of eighty five million dollars. So if you were to double that to think about their break-even point, they would want to make about $170 million worldwide just to break even, to start mm-hmm. making money uh, on the movie. So it, uh, in the U.S., it opened at only $33 million. Um, that's the lowest, to put that in perspective, that's the lowest opening of the DC Extended Universe wow. since Man of Steel. It's also Yikes. the lowest opening for any DC movie since Jonah Hex. And if you don't remember wow. that movie, no one else does either. So <laughs> it, it did not open very well at all. Of course, you had a whole bunch of different theories coming out. Is it sexism? Is it Margot Robbie? Statistically, just typically cannot sell a movie on her own if you look at her catalog. Um, you know, a whole bunch of different theories. The marketing, for 
example. Uh, so I don't think any of us here saw that movie. Anyone correct me if I'm wrong. No. I have not seen it, no. I have not My either. roommate has seen it. Okay, so there you go. There's one. <laughs> but none of us have seen it. So I wanted to ask you guys, I know for me personally, this year in particular, I have not even gone to the movie theater yet this year. Nothing has really grabbed my attention. This kind of came close, especially when the positive reviews came in, but I still did not go. What was it? Uh, did this movie completely fly under your radar, or was there something about it that just made you not interested in seeing it? Um, I had planned to see it a couple of different times, and then... I just don't think I was driven enough to go see it. Like, it, it, there wasn't enough people telling me that it was good enough to go see in the theater. So, I think that's what contributed to me not going, because I had planned to go. Um, but, yeah. My roommate came back with, like, a very uh, monotone seven <laughs> response to it when I asked him out of ten when he got home from it. So, after seeing that, I was like, I don't know if he's playing it up. Or if he never gives anything under a five. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know. I probably won't see it. But then again, I told myself every weekend for the whole time. I don't even know. Uh, I said I was going to see, see Star Wars, and then I just did it every <laughs> weekend. And I heard that was actually good. So. <laughs> what about you, Zach? Who knows? I have also, I'd probably go into the category of nothing about it just really, like, seemed like out of this world for me to go catch in theaters as of yet really honestly i haven't seen even much advertising for it as of just this weekend where i'm finally seeing that it's actually out in theaters uh so this will probably just be one of those ones that i wait till i can catch it on a streaming platform or you purchase it yourself and then let us watch it and what about you chris well me i I haven't seen it, and this this was my thought when I saw the uh, when I saw the preview. I actually took my son to go see the uh, the second Jumanji movie. How it was still in theaters last weekend, I have no idea. But <laughs> <laughs> I took him to go see Jumanji uh, two, and I saw the the uh, the preview for it. And this was my initial thought: Wow! So they're gonna they're gonna use Margot Ro- Margot Robbie's uh, popularity with the Harley Quinn character in a spinoff of Suicide Squad. I felt like that was it. I just felt like it was just going to be a gimmicky movie. Uh, she was. I knew she would be the only one having fun. I, that's what I feel like. Um, because she really, really embraces and likes that character. But this is the thing. For me, You know, I'm 31 years old. Harley Quinn, to me, is from like the Batman animated series. When she's dressed up in all the leather, leather looking like a jester yeah. to Joker. Just, it's just... A lot of it didn't appeal me in the very beginning. But I just... That's, that was kind of my my vibe sure. of it. And also one other thing I wanted to throw in there, because like Chris, uh, for example, you know, you see a lot of the superhero movies with your sons. Yeah. Um, this Harley Quinn movie is actually rated R, and that brought up a lot of um, kind of talk about it because a lot of people didn't know that or didn't expect that. If you remember when Suicide Squad came out, a lot of little girls were dressing up like Harley Quinn. Suicide Squad rated PG-13, had an over $100 million opening. Um, this movie being rated R, and from what I've heard from people coming out, there's a lot of violence in the movie and some language, but there's nothing you know centric to the movies where it needed to be rated R, per okay. se. Um, and um, if they had just toned that stuff down, there could have been a lot of people where, let's say, you have an 8-year-old daughter that wants to go see a Harley Quinn movie, but you see it's rated R for extreme violence and language, and you think, like, maybe I shouldn't take my daughter to see that. You know right. what I mean? So that could have played into it as well. I think overall this was... 
just jumbled up as far as the marketing. DC still not really knowing what they want to do. They've already changed the title in um, the theaters. If you go to any theater app to go buy tickets now, it's now retitled Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, which everyone said should have been the title originally yeah. instead of Birds of Prey and then this really long title. Wow. I don't know how much that contributes. No one. I don't think there's a ton of people that still to this day just show up to the theater and say, what am I seeing? Like, maybe a very small percentage. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know how big the audience for Harley Quinn is, unfortunately. But we will see, you know, how it does. Because it did have that positive word of mouth at the beginning, maybe it can have some legs to hopefully break even, at least. Uh, we'll see how that goes. And then I also didn't want to quick give a quick update, since we've talked about this movie a lot, too. Sonic the Hedgehog debuted this weekend. We all know... <laughs> everything that's been going on with that. Right. Um, and I was really interested to see how it did this weekend. Isaiah, I know you actually saw the movie, right? So you'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, did you really? Oh, my God. Yeah, I saw it, Doug. <laughs> I actually forced a few people to come with me. <laughs> and by that, I mean we had, like, seven people in a row. So I love that more it. than so, anything. I'll so talk about it and see a play. This seems to be, from what I'm looking at here for this weekend, uh, the second... Uh, you know, good story out of 2020. We had Bad Boys for Life be the first kind of surprise of the year that overperformed, did really well. Sonic the Hedgehog is actually looking to do $65 million uh, in America this weekend. And to put that in perspective, because that, you know, um, last year, uh, Pokemon Detective Pikachu set the record for a video game movie opening at $54 million. So at $65 million, wow. Sonic would set the record for a video game movie over a three-day weekend. Plus, this Monday is President's Day. So it does have a four-day weekend. Oddly enough, those weird Monday holidays do really well box office-wise. I don't know who's off work besides people who work at banks. But, um, <laughs> but it, it does have that to help out as well. So... It's reporting its budget is $85 million. I don't think there's any way that can be true with all the work they just had to do to redesign the character. I'm expecting it to be a lot more than that. But at, taking that at face value, this could very well you know, make a little bit of money. It did get an A cinema score. So audiences are really liking it. Um, we'll see how you feel in a little bit, Isaiah. Uh, but that is doing I Want to Update. At le- it's not dead on arrival. It has a chance, it seems like, to make some money, especially with no real movies coming out until A Quiet Place 2 next month that would even compete with that and you could argue that A Quiet Place 2 might not even be really competition for Sonic the Hedgehog so uh, that seems to be in a decent spot so that, that's kind of a box office report I did also want to touch on one other movie that we've talked about a lot on this podcast and that's Cats so we didn't talk a lot about the Oscars on the podcast just because the scheduling the way it lined up it would have been Basically, today would have been the first day we could really talk about what happened. Uh, the only really big news story is that Parasite became the first foreign film to ever win Best Picture, uh, a non-English language film that won Best Picture. So congrats to that. Um, Bong Joon-ho also won for Best Director. They had a really good night. Um, jo- uh, Joaquin-, Joaquin Phoenix won for Joker, you know, the Oscar for that, for Best Actor. But I wanted to focus on Rebel Wilson and James Corden, who were both in Cats, came out for the Visual Effects Award, which went to the movie 1917. Uh, And they were dressed like cats. And they made a joke about how important it is to have good special effects in your movie because obviously everyone, you know, had panned cats for having these, like, horrific, you know, it just looked like a nightmare. Um, So it was whatever. It was just a little quick joke. I didn't really think anything of it. Uh, And then one of the visual effects artists who actually worked on the movie, I mean, supposedly he's claiming he did, I don't know, 
you know, I'll take him, I'll believe him. Um, but he came out on Twitter and he retweeted the clip of that. And he said, hey guys, I haven't watched all the Oscars, but I assume these two were really classy and thanked me for working 80 hour weeks right up until I was laid off and the studio closed, right? <laughs> so he came out and said that. And then to take it a step, <laughs> and then to take it a step further, um, the actual, um, the actual, I don't know what the name of it is, but the actual, like, union or organization that stands up for, like, the visual effects workers in Hollywood came out and basically said, even the greatest visual effects in the world can't save a really bad movie. So, (laughs) this little joke at the Oscars has kind of turned into, like, this, you know, uh, big thing. And I wanted to talk about it because I do think it's interesting, you know, my take on it, and then I'll ask you guys what you think, but as far as this guy that came out and said this, you know, they didn't come out and personally attack this guy. Rebel Wilson and James Corden don't care, first of all. Right. <laughs> They're just going and making a joke, right? But secondly, I don't think... Every time we see a movie that has visual effects, a lot of people worked really hard on it. Like, regardless right. of the quality of the yeah. film. I don't think that should exempt the movie from criticism. Or being like, hey, these visual effects are bad. You know what I mean? Like, even if someone worked really hard on it. And you could really say that for any movie. Every single movie that's made, people work really hard on it that don't have any control over the quality of the movie. And for this guy to come out and feel personally attacked, I think is a little bit... I don't know if he was trying to score Twitter points, which he obviously did. He got over 100,000 likes. Um... I do feel for him, obviously, especially if he was laid off. But again, I don't think you should take a little joke like this and, like, you know, blow it out of proportion, although I can understand the frustration. What do you guys think? Uh, Yeah, I think that... So, in gaming, it's really... It's classified as art direction. Um, And the people who work on on the actual art are really never the ones pioneering the art direction. There's normally, like, basically maybe one or two guys who are like, this is the way that we're going to go. You guys need to do it like this. So, like, with Cats specifically... I'm going to guess that, like, those visual artists who were working 80 hours a week, that probably wasn't their choice to make mm-hmm. the movie look that way. Somebody above them said, it needs to kind of look like this. And then they were like, okay. Um, but I think you're right. There is no reason... If the movie gets released, it's not going to be exempt from criticism. Like, there's probably no movie that should be exempt from criticism if you're going to release it. I mean... Will, there's a whole culture built around uh, like reviewing movies, and if you want to be in a protected class, you're about to find out that that is never going to happen. And you'll probably get the word. Like, people will be more critical of you if you think you're part of a like, protected class. So mm-hmm. I hope that this doesn't backfire in some sort of weird like pitchfork ordeal where all animated movies are just critiqued immensely for no apparent reason and then these live action movies or whatever are just like oh yeah this was live action and you know but the world's yeah. fucked up so who knows <laughs> <laughs> what about you guys? Uh, I mean I definitely as much as we because pro- we've even used to make some jokes about the cats visual effects I didn't think it was that bad to be honest uh, did you with see the, cats? I, I have I did not see cats no, okay. but uh, I mean it didn't look awful. Like, is there specific criticisms about the visual effects or like details into it? Out of curiosity, no, it's just that it was a terrible idea from the start. Basically, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was about to say the idea as a whole sort of didn't 
bestow any sort of confidence mm-hmm. really into it. It's not but, that the visual effects artist did a bad job. It's just that no, not at all. It was not the correct way to go. Obviously, right. yeah, yeah. No, yeah. but yeah, but um, I, I actually did think it was somewhat of a shot that wasn't needed, at, at least at the Oscar stage. I thought. Yeah, I feel on my side. I really feel like there's there's two thoughts of it. Um, one of the things is that yeah, obviously you're going to be criticized for any job you do. Like uh, Isaiah said, you're, you're you're under the microscope no matter what. You're not going to be in a protected class. Um, I, I really didn't see the reason for the response so much. Uh, I think it would have been a much more stand-up, uh, professional uh, way to just say, hey, you know, I did the best with, with the material I had. At the end of the day, if if your movie, if, if the movie and everything is crap, throwing as much sugar as you want on it, it is what it is. And you, right. you do your best. And then the, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's tough, but... I, you're gonna be you're gonna be judged no matter what, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do want to just say uh, to end this because we all kind of seem like on the same side with this. The visual effects artists we've talked about this before do have a really tough job, and there are a lot of scenarios where they'll work really hard and not get paid enough, and then their studio will close because they didn't get paid enough. And the way that Hollywood is actually structured on how they pay these studios to do the visual effects is really fucked up. There's a documentary called Life After Pi, which is about the team that made the movie Life of Pi, mm-hmm. which is obviously all visual effects. And um, I watched it on Netflix a while ago. I don't know if it's still on there, but if you were to look it up, it really dives deep into the details of why the system is so broken and so many people like this guy on Twitter can work so hard, not get paid for those hours, and then get fired, essentially, because they don't have the money. It's really messed up the way that it works, and that is very unfortunate and needs to be fixed, but that shouldn't be Rebel Wilson and James Corden's fault for going Mm -hmm. out making a joke about a movie that they were in being bad. I give them respect for even... You know, dressing up like cats to yeah. go out on the Oscars and be like, "Hey, we were in a movie that was bad." You know, yeah. so uh, they never attacked this guy personally. Nothing against this guy, but no one would have known that he existed had he not made this tweet. So no one's coming at him. You know, so people are coming at you know the director, the studio, all these different things. Um, but but the situation is really bad, also for them. And, and we saw it again with the Sonic, the people that made the Sonic movie. They obviously went back and read that did this redesign because of this huge backlash, and then the studio closed. So this happens quite a bit and i don't know how exactly it gets fixed but yeah i you know i want to say one thing because it's now that you mention it with like sonic and i'm thinking you know it, it it's because it's the cat's name it's because of what it is what it's playing off of that was such a huge huge success as a musical um i mean you look at other big stars dwayne rock johnson i mean he was in what doom and he even said mm-hmm. it he's like i mean have you guys seen doom no no one else has either <laughs> that was mostly visual effects you know, no matter how big the star is, if the concept of the movie and, and just, you know, the, whether it be the writing or whatever it is, if it's bad, it's bad. So, but at the same time, too, it's, you know, these these studios, I think naturally, because they know the stigma they have, so naturally they just get defensive about it as well. And sometimes, hey, you just got to own up to it. I mean, you chose... Yeah. You chose that line of work. I, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, sure. yeah. I guess my only example for the counterpoint would be, though, like, were you guys absolutely enthralled by the plot of Avatar, the Blue Alien movie? Because they put no. enough special effects in uh-huh. that movie for everyone to love that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. The yeah. story was not really all that, like, what was it? It's Pocahontas, basically. Yeah. <laughs> that was, uh, that was, <laughs> Alien Pocahontas. 
Oh, uh, it was yeah. uh, James Cameron. James Cameron, yeah. right. And, <laughs> and if I remember correctly, they marketed so much on that movie. I remember I couldn't, I couldn't, you couldn't watch the TV for 10, 15 minutes without saying something, <laughs> something, about, something oh, about it. It. Yeah. it was like a social event that you had to go do. Like, I have to go see Avatar because yeah, everyone else has seen it. Everyone else is seeing it. Where Cats, it's like, well, I know what Cats is. It's a yeah. annoying dog. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it definitely goes both ways. Um, so but, there is a special, there is a certain amount of special effects sugar or frosting you can put yeah. on a movie. They need that. Everyone needs that ingredient. Or even like The Lion King, for example, it's a good movie because it's like it was a good movie in the 90s. Yeah, but yeah, now like the it's the same good. movie, but now it looks really, really good. You know? Yeah, right. So it's, yeah, it definitely goes both ways. But uh, yeah. But that's it for me this week. Well, Isaiah, Zach, when do you guys want to go next? I'll go next. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, so the only thing really going on in the gaming sphere um, is the PlayStation is currently waiting on the Xbox to uh, reveal what their price is going to be so that they can make their price play. Um, if <laughs> you guys remember the release of the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360, uh-huh. the cheaper console kind of won that one. Um, and then with the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One, the cheaper console won that one again. Uh, so I'm guessing that Sony is kind of looking at it like we want to be the cheaper console. Um, but uh, with console, the way that the console war works is there's a war of resources. So the kind of memory and all the kind of different chips and stuff that they put in whenever a new console is about to be spun up. Um, there's basically a bidding war for those kinds of things. Um, but long story short, the Bloomberg reports that the PlayStation 5 currently costs $450 to make. So you have to think that they want to make some sort of money on it. (laughs) So they have to charge at least $450. (laughs) Um, So they're kind of, from what I can tell, PlayStation is just waiting. Um, They also have kind of seemed like they are interested in going as low as selling it for $500 and just making $50 per console, which is like a good amount of money when you're going to sell a ton of consoles. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. but if somehow, miraculously, the Xbox comes out and they're making it for $300 a console, and they're like, well, we're going to sell it for $400. PlayStation's in a hard spot, so I don't know. The only thing that's going on is there's a lot of the companies waiting and looking at each other, kind of like a war of attrition in the trenches. They're just kind of staring across the battlefield, like, who's going (laughs) first? Um, So I think that's 95% of the reason why we're not getting anything about the PlayStation, because everything is subject to change depending on what the Xbox price point is. So I would assume... At this point, that means that we will see the Xbox before the PlayStation, um, unless the Xbox comes out at some ridiculous price point, like seven hundred bucks or something. <laughs> if I don't know a single person who's going to buy a seven hundred dollar Xbox when you could buy a seven hundred dollar PC and it would be the same exact thing. Um, but yeah, so currently. That's all that's really going on in gaming is there is a, a price waiting point, and that's why I think no one's seeing any details. So two questions. First off, from your experience, is it that common for the actual profit of the console itself to be so small compared to 
hey, we're going to just make money on all of our games and our accessories. We don't actually have to make that much money like on the console. Do you think that's typical? Yeah, I would assume that. I mean, I, I wouldn't know specifically, but I assume that like the console is the gateway. So if you don't have to make a t- you don't want to lose money, obviously, because you're going to sell a ton of them. But you don't have to make a ton of money because as soon as you get them through the console door, you can charge whatever for the things on the other side mm-hmm. because they're already they're not going to go back. <clears throat> Even if they sell their like if they go and they turn in their PlayStation, like pretty much after you open it and use it, mm-hmm. you're what the you're going to sell it to GameStop and get a couple hundred bucks ripped off for two hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. So like. I guess that that is, and then you have to think that's the biggest competitor right there, right? I want you to come to either in the Xbox gate or the PlayStation gate. And we're going to make it um, seem like this one's a better one either way. So, yeah, I would assume that the like making a ton of profit on the console itself is not a thing that normally happens, especially in the case where, like, if the Xbox is selling for cheaper, that's one of the number one things that people look at mm-hmm. to say, okay, well, that's I'm going to play Call of Duty on either of these consoles. Whichever one's the cheaper one will get me to the next Call of Duty, the yeah. cheapest. Yeah. So. And then my second question mm-hmm. was, um, I know we had said before PS5 was planning for the holidays of this year. I haven't heard anything about the next Xbox console. Could this delay it into not even coming out this year? Um, I think... You might be mistaken. I think that the Xbox has said for sure they're coming out. Okay. And do they have a name? I haven't heard anything about the, yeah. the next console. The, X, the Xbox Series X. I talked about it a little bit. Beautiful. Um, <laughs> this design is nice. Yeah. It's uh, almost cylindrical. <coughs> yeah. Uh, tower design. It looks cool, um, but I'm pretty sure that they're the ones who said they're going to try to come out by holiday 2020. PlayStation, we've, the only thing that we've even gotten about it, we don't even know what it looks like. We just got the logo. At the end of that uh, Sony press conference, so who really knows? I'm gonna guess because Sony has never been one to swear by the holiday season. Um, I know because I got my PlayStation. I got my PlayStation in February or March because that's whenever it released when I was in college. So that's nowhere near. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think that it's a. I think releasing a console by a holiday is not as big of a play as it might seem. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, people are going to get it for Christmas, but they sell out and nobody can get them. <laughs> yeah. They're going to sell... PlayStation. The PlayStation 4 proved that they're going to sell out no matter if there's a holiday coming or not. Yeah, that's fair. So, so Chris... Uh, sorry, Zach, just real quick. Chris, um, we've all talked about, obviously, our gaming stuff, backgrounds and everything in the, in the past year on the podcast... What is yours, and then also, what's kind of a price point, or what's something moving forward that you'd be like, this is all I'll pay to get a new console? So, like, as far as what my history, or what mm-hmm. I've, I've played everything. So, I, I uh, up until, really, it's funny, up until probably this past year, um, I haven't really been able to play as many video games as I want. Um, this is the very, very first year I haven't bought, like, Madden. Um, I used to go to the midnight releases. I played everything. And it's funny that you talk about, like, I love the PlayStation 
Microsoft Battle. I've always loved it. When I was a kid and I was in seventh grade, I got the magazine when it was a uh, was it was PS2, uh, Xbox, and the was it the, the GameCube? GameCube? Yeah, dude, that was. It's always like the the Sony and Microsoft are like the two big brothers that are like just rivals. And then you have the <laughs> Nintendo, which is a small brother. You give like the unplugged controller to to make him think he's in the game, but he's not. Yeah. So, but it's it's always been fun. Uh, my son, he's ten. He loves the Nintendo Switch. Uh, we have a PS. Uh, we have the PlayStation Four. Uh, we don't have an Xbox. And but this is the thing I wanted to say about that is up until now, you know, Sony always had a had a point. And even when I, I used to work at what well, back then was called uh, EB Games and I'm GameStop bottom. Oh yeah, uh, but I used to work there. I love the place. Yeah, I worked there part time uh, during the holiday. And PlayStation always said we are an entertainment system. We don't want to be just looked at as video games. Well, now they're changing it, and now they're wanting to get all these exclusives. Now they're wanting to get more into the video game, and that's what's really appealing me now. But, um, I, I mean, I've always liked all all three systems, really. I've had a little bit more with PlayStation just because I've played PlayStation 1. I'm used to the controller system, that whole thing. But um, my my price point, for even when I thought of it, I'm like, I'm figuring 500 bucks. $500 for what today's technology is bringing me, uh, today's entertainment value, um, I, I would say 500 So I would say the same. But That's a I fair amount, yeah. Computer. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So so you're saying like if the Xbox did come out, like Isaiah said, and said, we're going to charge $700, you'd be like, okay, no way. Yeah. You either wait till it's used or you'll just not get it at all. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. Or, or typically what will end up happening is, is they'll open up at a higher price point. They've done it. They've done it quite a few times now where they open up at a really high price point. People are overpaying because of demand, and um, they'll end up dropping it the, the, the following holiday. There'll be some crazy Black Friday sale, something that happens. So why not wait the extra year? Plus, you know what? I remember when the PlayStation 3 first came out, um, and then I actually ended up getting the Xbox. Uh, yeah, the Xbox. And I'm like, great, I got it. I'm one of the first people I have for the holiday. Literally no games came out yeah, for that thing. That's the one and they had yeah. all these promised titles. And you're thinking like, oh, I can't wait for this, this, and this. They even re- re-released like Madden, NBA Live. At that time it was NBA Live. And they were horrible because they were just ports. Yeah. And it's like, I should have waited the extra year. Why did I spend an extra $200 on this? So, I mean, if it's going to be overpriced, I can wait. I know a lot of a lot of really, really big gamers. They want to be the, the newest, most exclusive but yeah, I'm willing to wait for sure. Yeah, and it's interesting because yeah. we're like walking into this console cycle, and no one ever remembers like the biggest issues that come with buying a new console happen in the first four months of you buying them. Absolutely, the Red Ring of Death that was like right at the beginning of the. <laughs> oh god, uh, yeah. There were a ton of PlayStation fours that came out just dead on arrival. Like mm-hmm. people just forget that stuff because it's been five years. But then like mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I got the new console, and then like you said, there's no games. <laughs> Or anything like that. I hey. want to know if anyone agrees with me. Did did any of you guys ever play the game called Bouncer for PlayStation 2? Bouncer. Doesn't so. sound familiar. Okay, it was an original release. And if any of the listeners can remember this, I, that was my favorite release title of any gaming system <laughs> ever. You could get through it in a day. Yeah. Okay, and... It, the fighting mechanisms at the time, everything, it was such a fun game to play. I just didn't know if you guys had. But I, I wish... Yes. I loved Bouncer. It was huh. amazing. Um, 
that was one I really wish would be, I've always wished would be released on PS3, PS4, and even now, but um, I just wondered if anyone has ever heard of it or That's played it. I love the analogy of like the like Xbox and Sony being like the big brothers and then Nintendo being like the little brother. But it seems now with the Switch, they're like that little brother who ended up getting picked on so much he turned into an MMA fighter. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, like I said, my son, that's the one he picks. I mean, you could take it on the go. And that's the thing. And I remember there was a, there was a big, there was a big, uh, it was an article I read about it, but how, how Nintendo always in, encouraged, ever since Game Boy, to get out and do something. Remember with the Game Boys uh, you would have with Pokemon, how you could connect them yeah. to go and actually go and play with your friends, get out of the house. And you couldn't even get certain mm-hmm. Pokemon unless you did. Yes, get unless out of your you house. did that. Yeah. Where where you the game consoles? Stuff, yeah. yeah, every other game console has been you know just sit in front of your TV in the house. I've always loved that about the Switch. My son will bring it over to our family's house, get a couple kids together, and even though there's a, you know there's stigmas with parents about like video games and those things but it's like it's the new age board game that's what kids want to do now you know so i like it it's interesting i've had a second realization of the podcast i'm going to keep updating you guys this is the first time we've ever had a parent on the podcast oh my gosh what first ceo first parent we're checking all the boxes um zach zach i didn't mean to cut you off earlier what was it you were gonna come i don't even remember at this point in time all right but uh i didn't want to say with nintendo that's funny that you bring that up because literally i remember the wii like every half an hour it would literally be like hey why don't you go outside (laughs) you had to be like no no, i'm gonna keep playing that's so great i remember they had like the wii bowling Dude, I feel like I threw out my rotator oh, cuff because I didn't realize it was just wrist actions. So when I'm playing that Wii baseball, that Wii bowling, I am like chucking that thing. Oh, uh, was, that was insane. That was oh, yeah. All right, but this is a better uh, better time than ever since this conversation kind of geared back towards that conversation. Chris, I wasn't sure if you're aware, but we did have an episode just a few weeks ago where we debated what was the best system, the original mm-hmm. Xbox, the GameCube, or the PS2, and the votes are in as far as who made the best argument for the game library by one vote, Isaiah won yeah! that, uh, for the Xbox. So Isaiah wins that debate. <laughs> Uh, the Xbox reigning supreme in that argument. Um, definitely the underdog yeah, going into that, one, underdog yeah. but you pulled it out. So congratulations on that. Still undefeated. Out. Undefeated in <laughs> all of our in all of our polls. Something's going on Both. here. <laughs> but I just wanted to bring that up. Okay, so Zach, you want to go ahead with your news? Yeah. So some news I'm bringing to you this week. Uh, infamous killer. Uh, Brenda Spencer has joined the Golden Girls Club at the age of 57 at her prison, which essentially the Golden Girls Club is just they, pretty much they accommodate some of the more elderly women within the prison, like with special uh, accommodations, features like giving them voluntary work. Um, but those for those of you who don't know who Brenda Spencer is, she was the infamous killer who shot up a elementary school for not liking Mondays, essentially. Jesus Christ. Okay, so this is not about the show Golden Girls. No, absolutely okay. not. <laughs> All right, that was my first thought. I'm like, wait a second. Thought. Yeah, I was like... It's probably called the group after that okay. series, but there's no other sort of... <laughs> I was just making sure, because I was like, I remember a show named Golden Girls Club. Mm-hmm. Like, are the people on the show being murdered? Or... Yeah, they I'm did. very excited. Okay, keep going. Yeah, but uh, Brenda Spencer, who was 16 at the time, opened fire at a San Diego elementary school from a window at her home. 
Uh, her home was just directly across the street from elementary school. Uh, that left two dead. The two that died were the principal and the janitor who was helping the kids escape, and nine others were injured. Um, since then, she has been in prison, essentially, life with parole, um, with now being, so that would be close to 50 years, or no, 40 years in prison. She has now joined the Golden Girls Club after at the age of 57. You know, I, I didn't know, maybe it's only because she shot the, the principal and the janitor and not any kids. I didn't know that um, there were any, like, school shootings before Columbine. I thought that was, like, you know, like, that's why it was such a big deal. That was like, holy shit, this can happen in a school. But this happened back in mm-hmm. 1979. Um, and did this, ha- am I reading this correctly? Did this happen in Cleveland? No, this did not happen in Cleveland. This oh, the school was called Cleveland. Okay, the school was called Cleveland Elementary, but it was in San Diego. <laughs> yeah, in San Diego. Uh, but yeah, uh, some of the I was doing a little bit more digging into the actual features that come with the club, and it's just like uh, one of them is you get a choice of the bottom bunk, and if you want the bottom bunk with whatever cell you're in, you automatically get it. Uh, just more voluntary options yeah, as well as more. Free- <laughs> Yeah. Jesus Christ. Wow. I guess there's only so many things you can do in a prison to make it like exclusive. Yeah. So yeah. being able to choose which punk you want. <laughs> One pack of cigarettes. I'm on. Unless you were just physically yeah. bigger than the other person, I guess you really <laughs> say you're when you join the Golden Girl Club, you're like your mid fifties, early sixties. Like you probably just can't climb up there every single day anymore. Yeah, you're not pretty uh, white. <laughs> you also you also get to redo your mugshot withholding a Golden Girl sign uh, for part of it insane. being called the Golden Girl. Why? So the, so the prison is like in on this? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> it's a club within their prison. Wow, that's crazy. I guess, oh, yeah. that's so Maybe it helps funny. with behavior. I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I did. I did want to bring up though. This reminds me. Probably the best scene in a movie I've ever seen of like a prison like something happening in a prison the movie that came out a couple years ago logan lucky there's a scene you got to look it up if you look up logan lucky uh prison game of thrones scene there's a scene where all the prisoners are like arguing with the warden of the jail they're mad that they won't update their library to get them more game of thrones books okay but the guy's like there are no more game of thrones books like that's where it's at and the prisoners are like because they're in prison so they don't have tv and they're like no that's bullshit they're telling us all this stuff that's happening and the guy's like no the show has caught up with the books and is now ahead of it (laughs) and it's just like the best scene about a prison because it's like that type of stuff that you don't think about that they have like books but they don't like get to catch up with like pop culture that was amazing all right well zach since you're already talking about prison for see it play it skip it do you want to go ahead and go first it looks like yours here has to do with prison (laughs) yep so the our most recent guilty pleasure is the 60 Days in series that can be found on Hulu. Um, and essentially the basis of the show is you, and there's different people from different backgrounds. Like I know there's some correctional officers, um, people who've been in the military, uh, as well as just like moms, uh, priests, uh, pastors, like a bunch of different um, jobs. And they essentially go into a prison for 60 days. And their reason for being there is they're supposed to like live through it and then give recommendations to the prison on how to make it better, like to find any sort of like uh, 
corruption among guards, like if they're doing something inappropriate just to like the facility, like if it's clean or up to clean standards per se. Um, and it's really fun. There, of course, people who are in the show can leave by giving like some sort of distress signal. Um, but it's very interesting. Are you telling me there's a show like Bar Rescue, but for prison? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Holy but shit. These- What's it on? I was getting an undercover it's boss a, vibe. Yeah, it's an undercover boss if the boss wasn't the one going undercover and he just took people <laughs> off the streets and was like, hey, do you want to go to prison? Um, it is on A&E, but all, that's like where it's actually like shown weekly. But I've been watching it all on Hulu. Mm, okay, because that sounds very interesting, actually. <laughs> yeah, it is insane. So uh, you would say this is a seat? Oh, it's definitely a seat. It's very fun to watch. Um, it's very, because it gives it a more of a, uh, you really get the ins and outs of how a prison works, especially watching the first couple episodes, like seeing them go through like booking and just like start to get like their feet wet into the prison system. Um, and I thought that part was really interesting, but then shit just hits the fan pretty early on, which is always fun. Hmm. All right. I think I did see a clip of this on YouTube of one of the recent episodes where one of the people actually got like a really shitty prison worker to actually quit her job <laughs> Probably. Uh, yeah. i was completely lost because i'm like i don't know what this show is <laughs> so now it's nice to have some context yeah definitely a watch it in my opinion nice i'll i'll go next okay all right i'm excited i'm going in reverse order of what i have oh, okay in the document. <laughs> um on monday the h3 podcast released their episode with uh the papa john's um, after he had his whole falling out with the company and now is no longer the Papa John. Um, and the episode I thought was really good. I thought it was super funny. Um, especially coming from, like, the fact that the host, like, basically idolizes Papa John. <laughs> and um, I would say it's it's worth the listening to, at least, if you're not going to watch it on YouTube. But there is a scene where... Um, basically John Snyder, the, the Papa John or whatever, he reviews pizza and that is worth it in alone. Like his pizza review system is so intricate. I was like blown away by, I was like, ah, oh, damn, I've eaten some shitty pizzas in my life. Yeah. None of them look as good as what he wants. I'm like, shit, okay. Um, but yeah, highly recommend. I thought it was so funny. Uh, Ethan, the host of the H3 podcast, like, Asked some pretty interesting questions. So Papa John recently went through a divorce like four months ago. And Ethan is like asking him dating questions and trying to get him to be basically on the H3 podcast version of The Bachelor. Uh, so that was an interesting time too. <laughs> I would highly recommend checking it out. I thought it was so funny. I did catch a bit of it. And I love the one quote I heard from Papa John. He says, he says, you know, pizza is nutritional. You just can't have a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> like what a great quote. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was good. Um, as of recently, I've been playing apex legends again. Um, the game is fun. They've made some quality of life changes that I think make the game better. Um, they added a new ammo type, which is sniper ammo, and then they moved all the snipers into one thing, so I think that's pretty cool. Um, I would say give it a chance again. If you liked it originally when it first came out, it's been about a year, so they've had um, enough time to get the game kind of more stable and more in a balanced state. 
Uh, the new character that they just released is pretty cool. I haven't unlocked him to play him, but I've played against him, and he's kind of fun. Uh, but that's all I really want to say about that because I really want to get into the the movie I went and saw last night <laughs> at the. I don't know. I think I made a bad choice. We saw it. <laughs> Damn we it. we saw it at ten thirty at p.m., Ooh. which is a rough spot to see a movie, knowing that you're not going to get out until after after midnight. <laughs> yeah, you're like oh, okay. And it has probably been seven years since the last time I saw a legitimate PG movie. It's not PG like I've seen a few PG thirteens, but a PG movie? I don't know, dude. (laughs) (laughs) The you guys audience at that time. It was me, six of my friends. And one family. (laughs) Where's the family? It's PG. They are sitting directly behind us in the movie. (laughs) Uh, We were, when we bought tickets for the movie, we were going to be the only group in there. And then I bet you that movie would have been amazing. (laughs) If it was just us seven people in the movie theater, it would have been incredible. But this family comes in like right as the movie's starting, like right after the previews and sits right behind us. And we're like... Dang. <laughs> um, but, dude, I know that I'm the only one who's seen it. You said you guys are thinking about going to see it next week. Yeah, next week, right? Um, it is a movie. It's, it's a, movie. a movie. <laughs> it's a movie. How did you like the portrayal of Sonic? Are you a fan of Sonic? or? Uh, yeah, I've played Sonic for a long time. But, the yes, the portrayal of Sonic is pretty cool. Um is he just kind of like is he is he like Sonic as you imagine Sonic to be in a movie like this where he's you know just almost like a teenager yeah. a young teenager yeah. kind of attitude and all okay that's yeah pretty. it's pretty on par for exactly what you think it's gonna be <laughs> are his teeth fixed he does eat a chili dog yes okay Hell. that was my next question <laughs> how, thank you Zach how is uh, Jim Carrey as Doctor Robotnik good Jim Carrey does a good job I think as Doctor Robotnik um. It is interesting, though. I think that the movie was hardcore. Like, when you go to see it, there is so much product placement in the movie. It's like you watched an hour and a half ad. <laughs> I've heard this. Every, one. I would say every 10 minutes on the spot in the movie, there is product placement. Like, <laughs> wow. it is out of this world. Dude. <laughs> um, yeah, big shout out to Olive Garden for funding the movie. <laughs> <laughs> That product placement. They had to pay for that redesign somehow. By putting in four uh, Olive Garden ads. Instead of, instead of chili dogs he's eating, he's eating breadsticks. Yeah. Breadsticks, oh my god. Um, I don't know. I think the group that I went with the last night, as we were driving home, were ter- we were tearing it to shreds. But I figured, obviously it's not for the age demographic. Yeah. The 20 to 25 to early 30s, like... When we go to see it, we're not going to be like, oh, yeah, dude, that was great. That was absolutely awesome. Yeah. But I don't know how the kids and the family behind me, they seemed pretty happy after the movie. They weren't like... <laughs> they weren't devastated. They weren't A, asleep, or B, crying about it. So <laughs> I was like, this is probably a general yeah. good amount of an entertainment for them. So I don't know. I think if you're going to see it with kids, they probably will enjoy it. I think that the Sonic character will play well to them. Um, the rest of the characters... Eh. Dr. Robotnik, pretty good. Uh, that's where I would put it. All right. I would say this one is a skip it. 
Unless you are taking it, like, unless you're going with kids who would, who are interested in seeing it. I would not use this as a way to get them interested in Sonic, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they Amen. must know who Sonic is. Yeah. Amen. Sonic Adventure 2 for the Dreamcast. Yeah. I would yeah. use that ten times out of ten <laughs> times. <laughs> Alright, well, I'll go up next. Matter pretty quick. i got to say, first of all, I'm really late to this party. Post Malone's last album, Hollywood's Bleeding, is fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah? Um, very good. If you like Post Malone at all like me, but you haven't checked out this new album yet, definitely check it out. I really am liking it. So I just had to had to put that out there. That's a that's a play it for sure, or stream it, or whatever totally you do. I totally forgot that we talk about music in here. <laughs> um, but the Halsey song from the Birds of Prey soundtrack is so good. It's so good. Does it fit the foam well? Um, I heard that where it is played in the film, it fits really well. Okay. But it's like if Halsey and Bring Me the Horizon met and made mm. a song together, and they used Halsey instead of Ollie. And Interesting. It, uh, wow. it is so good. Uh, Kendall turned me on to that, and I've been able to check it out a few times. So yeah, I've been listening to that a lot. Um, also, watched Honey Boy. Uh, it's available on Amazon Prime now for free. Um, it, Amazon Prime funded the movie so it's their movie mm-hmm. um so for anyone who doesn't know honey boy uh shia labeouf when he was in rehab a few years ago wrote this movie as kind of like an assignment like he had to do it as part of his rehab this is how he chose to you know do it he wrote a film about his childhood and dealing with his father who is an alcoholic um and as it's described in the movie um Shia, as a kid, obviously famous from Even Stevens and, and, and other things, pays his father to be his chaperone. Because I guess, like, when you're a kid, you have to have, like, a chaperone at all times to make sure, like, you're following labor laws and all those things. He pays his dad to do that because, essentially, the way that he describes it, if he doesn't, like, his dad would not be around. Like, he's right. only there because he can't get another job. He's, like, a sexual offender. He can't get a job. So Shia is basically paying him to, to be his father, essentially. Okay. And very depressing movie. Shia LaBeouf plays his father in the movie, Um, and then Shia LaBeouf is played by, I don't know the name, but it's a younger actor, plays him when he's 12 years old, and then also Lucas Hedges plays him as the adult version in Rehab. Um, Lucas Hedges does a great job. His impression, he sounds exactly like Shia LaBeouf. Really? Yeah, and it's really good. It shows him in Rehab and him kind of working through writing the script and, you know, also freaking out because he's an alcoholic as an adult, so he's getting over that just like everyone else does in Rehab. Um... But the real, the thing I really liked about the movie is that it's not a movie of like, hey, look how fucked up my father was. That's why I messed up. Isn't he bad? Like, that's not the movie. Yeah. Like, the movie is more so him being like, these are the facts of my life. I'm not trying to paint my dad in any way. This is just my life. And it's almost like a, the film is almost dedicated to his dad. Like, in, in certain ways, it's like, um, you know, it's not just all about hating his father. It's about coming to terms with who his father who his father was and in some ways appreciating the few things he did do for him um and i thought it was a really touching movie um it, it's very small scale very low budget you can tell there's probably three or four locations in the movie like it's not this huge big movie uh very dialogue driven um I love that though. yeah and, and i really liked it um and i'm glad that shia you know he wrote this in rehab he could have just wrote it in rehab and that's it he decided to take it to a director in a studio and have it made 
Um, and he's described in interviews that he felt like he had to do that, just as kind of like a cathartic process yeah. and play his father in the film. Um, and it's it's really good. And I think if you know a lot of people can relate to having that kind of relationship, either with a father or a mother or you know someone who's bringing you up in life and just kind of accepting, you know, hey, they weren't perfect. Hey, maybe they fucked some things up for you. Um, but you know that you you have to get over that. You know you can't right. hold on to that your whole life. And that was a big part of what was holding back Shia LaBeouf kind of as he felt earlier in his career. So that was that was a good one. Definitely a see it. Plus it's free if you have Amazon Prime. I'm sure you can rent it for a few dollars if you don't have Prime. Um, and then the last one I wanted to talk about was on Hulu. Completely watched it at random. Actually, right after watching Honey Boy, I was like, I needed something to lift up my mood here. Yeah. You know, uh, went on Hulu. One of the movies they were promoting is called Blast from the Past. It's a movie from 1999 that stars Brendan Fraser and Alicia Silverstone. And Brendan Fraser's dad is Christopher Walken in the movie. And oh in the, in the 1960s <laughs> during the Cold War, I mean, he's like a doomsday <laughs> prepper. And oh. <laughs> they think that there's going to be like. You know, a bomb or whatever from Russia. So they, him and his wife go down into the bunker. And then, coincidentally, a plane crashes into their house. So when that happens, they, down below, think it's a bomb. Okay. So they lock themselves in. And Christopher Walken sets the doomsday... Uh, what do you call it? Whatever you go into. I don't know what it's called. A bunker? A bunker, yeah. He sets it for, it's automatically locked for 35 years. Because he says, that's how long you have to wait until the radiation is okay to go back up. Right. And they're like, she's like, why are you locking us in? He's like, because like we'll go crazy. We'll try to get out. Like This is so we can't get out no matter what. So they ha- she actually gives birth right after they go down there to Brendan Fraser's character. It very quickly kind of goes oh through his life God. as like a kid growing up in this bunker. And then it's 1999. Um, he's a 35-year-old man, and it's Brendan Fraser. And then they're like, okay, the time's up, the locks are off, and they send him up there to, like, go get, uh, you know, see how it is, go get food and everything. But obviously, there was no bomb. It's just the 90s. So... So he comes up, and dude, it was like, it's only, I think it's like a two-hour movie. It was like the weirdest... Like, I don't know if all movies in the 90s were like this. It was, like, the weirdest, dumbest movie, but I love it so much. Exactly. Like, it was so silly, and, like, Brendan Fraser is just so great, and Alicia Silverstone is really good as, like, his love interest in the movie, um, and everything he does, his dad has, like, a collection of baseball cards that he gives him, and he's like, you know, sell these if you need money, but they're all just so valuable, because they're, like, from the 60s, you know, like, in mint condition, so, like, every time he needs, like, a few grand, he just sells one of the cards. It's a really fun movie you can watch on free for Hulu. So don't expect like a great film or anything, but you know I like rom-coms and it's it's a funny comedy. Um so yeah, that definitely was a nice a nice mood booster after watching Honey Boy. Kind of like two <laughs> two ends of the spectrum. <laughs> I loved that movie when it came mm-hmm. out and I always remember a buddy of mine and and myself we will always reference that movie. There's a point in the movie where she had rollerblades and he found them and he's like uh, hey, can I? Hey, Eve was her name, yeah. and he's like, and his hey, name's Eve. Adam. Yeah, his name's Adam. <laughs> <laughs> his name <is> Adam. <laughs> I never <laughs> just put that together. And he's like, hey, can I skate around your block? And then Eve's friend looks at her and goes, "How about it, Eve? Can he skate around your block?" <laughs> and I just, <laughs> and he looks at her completely dead face, like it's, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's oh, it was it was just a good yeah, movie. it's a great movie. Good yeah. That movie. sounds. Awesome. Very 90s. Very, very good. Movie, <laughs> yeah. That's it for me. Chris, what about right. you? I actually have a couple. Um, I have three I want to go over. Cool. And one I just decided more recently because I finished the series, and I want to start off with it. 
Uh, it was a show I saw on Netflix. So I visited my uh, my mother the other night, and it was this past week, and she was watching this show on Netflix that just threw something on, and it was called Unbelievable. And it essentially is about a girl um, who is raped. And given her background, when she reports this rape to the police, they don't they don't believe her. Um, she tries to report this, and they actually... In, I have to say the emotions in this in this whole series was amazing um, because she reports this. The police don't believe her and actually make her redact her statement. So she reports it, then unreports it. Then when she wants to report it again, they tell her, well, that's a crime for false reporting. They scare her into not reporting her own rape. And at the time, I want to say she, she was much younger. Um, I want to say she was... 15 or something like that she was much younger um i apologize for not remembering that but the the show is so worth seeing what ends up happening is okay two, so so wait yeah. some time passes from whenever she redacts it and yeah then she tries to report it again no it was it, it's literally in sequence so she goes and wants to report it okay they make her redact it yeah and then what happens is she's an orphan and she's in like an orphan house it's like a, a care house where they help her get on her feet, get a job, give her a place to stay. Okay. And her counselors there are mad. And they're like, if you got raped, you need to tell somebody. And she tries to go and tell them again. Okay. And they, you know, she leaves when they talk her into not reporting it again, saying it's it's a federal offense. Um, so she leaves, and then the, even the counselors are like, so asking the police officers, is everything, did she report it? He's like, Officers are like, no, no, it's it's all just made up. It's a story. What? So okay. what ends up happening is, and this is this is where it gets good. Is there's two uh, there's two detectives that end up taking the case on for other rapes, and they happen to connect some dots to figure out who it is. It's a true story. So what ends up happening in the real story? I believe there were years passed before they end up finding this person, but she's been through so much. So it's not just. It's not just that part that I'm describing. It's what she goes through in life, having that stigma around her. Because now it's in the paper that she falsely reported that it came out initially. And all of that, she loses her job. Uh, she can't go around her original orphan family. Who is it? The, uh, the family foster, family? foster family. Can't go around her the dad when she goes there to visit because he's afraid. Stuff like that. It's just, it's so, I can't, I can't say enough how much it is actually worth to check out. Uh, not typically hmm. my type of show, but she's watching this show. And I'm, I'm working on my laptop doing some designs <clears throat> for Lava Clothing Company on, uh, on Instagram. Lava <laughs> Clothing Company. Um, no. So the, uh, I'm just working on, I'm just paying attention and then I get sucked into the show and I, I put everything down. I just end up watching it till probably about one thirty two in the morning with her. And I'm like, how the heck? I'm like looking at my clock. I'm like, I got, I have basketball at five in the morning. Like, I got to get up. And I'm like, I can't stop watching. You know what I mean? So it was, it's a definitely a great show to check out for sure. Um, I just got to say, I haven't yeah. seen the show, but I did see the trailer. The Queen, Tony Collette, I believe, plays one of the detectives. So yeah. I was already sold. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, Tony Collette, definitely. Uh, Merritt Weber, I believe her name is. That's actually who I recognized. The main, oh, um, the main girl's girl from Booksmart as well. Caitlin Dever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she plays Marie Adler. Yep. Um, one of the, not Tony Collette, but the other detective is who I actually recognized from something else and I couldn't pinpoint it. 
but uh, definitely worth to check out. Uh, the next one I wanted to talk about was uh, was Jexy. Jexy! Any of you guys see that? <laughs> no. No, I no. no? Okay. So this, this show, or this movie, was actually pretty cool. We ended up getting on Redbox. My cousin, uh, I, I'll do like a movie night with him once in a while, go hang out there with the kids and stuff, but... Um, it actually stars Adam Devine uh, from Workaholics. Yeah. Uh, Rose Byrne. I don't know if any of you guys know her from uh, Another uh, Queen. Another Queen. Yeah. <laughs> Neighbors. Neighbors, which was okay, awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and yeah. Uh, Michael Pena. If any of you guys know him, uh, he was in Ant Man. Ant Man. Yeah, he was one of the supporting cast from there. Uh, he's hilarious. Uh, Wanda Sykes. If anyone knows that comedian, <laughs> oh, she, she's her ridiculous self in this movie. Um, so it, there's a lot of people, even Kid Cudi, so which was cool. Kid uh, Cudi, okay. yeah. So it, it's it, it is a good movie. So essentially, what it's about is uh, uh, it's a main character, Phil. He's super super dependent, and he's dependent on his phone. I mean, it, it schedules everything for him, and it's portraying how we are in society now. Um, so even even to the point where he'll ask. Uh, he'll ask Siri to bring up Netflix, bring up those other things. What ends up happening is he ends up uh, running into what ends up becoming his love interest, uh, played by Alexandra Ship. And what it uh, what happens is his phone breaks, so he takes it to the store to get a new phone. And Wanda Sykes is the like the you think of it like an Apple Store, or mm-hmm. if you go into like a Best Buy Mobile a place like that, and she gives him a new phone. But this phone has a new um, software in it called Jexy, which to me it portrayed like a like a Bixby for Android user, uh, Siri or an Alexa, that type of thing. But it has a mind of its own. Nice. And what it does is no. Okay, so this is where the, the really the previews got it wrong. Is they make it just seem like it's controlling his life and he has to do all these things, and that's not actually it. It actually has like a personality of its own that starts pushing um, Phil, the main character, to do things that he's not comfortable doing. Mm. Talking to a girl, going out with his friends, doing those things that actually end up helping him. But what ends up happening is, is it ends up kind of, I guess, and this is where it takes a corny turn, ends up like developing a, a feelings of its own. Okay. So okay. it also oh does eyes. things to, yeah, it does things to mess with them. And a lot of the humor, especially in the beginning, is hilarious because it is Adam Devine, and, and I think he's hilarious. I think Adam Devine is yeah. also Yeah, so he does it really, really well. It's just such a corny movie um, in the premise of it and all that. I just don't think it got much pop. Um, I don't think they, they marketed it as much or the way they should have, but it could have been, I mean, it could have been a very, I think, formidable uh, film that came out. <laughs> I got to say, first of all, I agree with you in the marketing because the only reason I knew this movie existed is on Fox they do those things for the NFL where Rob Riggle will do the skits before the game yeah. and uh, Adam Devine was on one of the skits and in the skits he's like go see Jexy this Friday in theaters and I thought to myself what the <laughs> fuck is Jexy? <laughs> <laughs> It's like a kid's movie. Yeah. So then I forgot about it, and then it popped up on, like, you know, Voodoo to Rent, and I'm like, so I watched the trailer, and I'm like, oh. But um, I wanted you to talk about this, Chris, because I have to ask you a rumor about the film. Yeah. Does he have sex with the phone? <laughs> Is it like a scene where he has, like, phone sex with Jexy? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. There's, there is a point in the film where... Jexy and like the Jexy voice and it's like this female like I said kind of like a Siri type voice where she said 
that she she wanted him to to plug her in, and he's like, she's like, just do it, just plug me in. Oh, it feels so good, doesn't it? Oh, yes, harder, harder, oh, Phil. Man, and then and then so when she good. orgasms, it's just a bunch of fireworks on the screen of the phone. And he's just the whole time he's like, he's just looking around like this is really weird. He's like looking out his window. But oh yeah, it was it. There is oh, some pretty man. funny spots in here for sure. See this that this seems like such a more comedic her, and I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. here all here for it. Yeah, it is. Um, and the the last one I wanted to do actually, I saw this last night. Um, it was the praised film Parasite, uh, which it seems like everybody saw. I was wanting to watch it for a long time, but the thing was is like, so I thought it was like straight thriller when I heard of it and I heard the premise of it from you, Josh. And when I looked at it, I'm like, even the, even the look of the, uh, the promotional posters and all that, it made it look like it was going to be like some crazy thriller movie. So I talked my girlfriend into watching it last night and, uh, she, I, I couldn't find anyone to watch it with me cause it's all subtitles. So mm-hmm. people don't like to do that. Yeah. Um, but it, I guess you'd label it like a, they label it as like a tragic comedy thriller. So, uh, movie's really, really cool. Premise of, uh, basically, uh, lower level, um, what would you call it? Like, lower class. the poor class, very poor class. I mean, right off the rip of the movie, you see a family, uh, they're in like an, what you call an apartment, and it's one of those ground apartments where it's about five feet underground, and then you have the window uh, up, and, you know, he's flicking cockroaches off of the table, um, they're just the means that they live in is horrible. Uh, you could tell, I could tell by the way it looked of how bad it smelled type of deal. And, um, so essentially what ends up happening is, is one of the, there's four of them. There's a mother, father, uh, daughter, and son. The son gets offered to take his, what I would assume is his friend's place, tutoring somebody, uh, mainly because the friend <clears throat> really liked the daughter he was tutoring and wanted to ask her out eventually when she graduated. But anyway, so he, he goes, he tutors her, and as things happen, um, they, need, they need different people. They need, uh, the son needs like an art, he ended up needing like an art teacher, or an art uh, consultant, consultant yeah. something like that. So he says, oh, my sister can do this. By the way, they completely bullshitted everything. Like he knew nothing about what he was tutoring with English. <laughs> yeah. So, but his friend wanted him to just BS it because what they say is the rich people are super gullible. They'll believe anything and throw money at everything, mm-hmm. which in this film was true. And sometimes I can see, I, I put myself, I'm like, okay, if I was a rich celebrity right now watching this, would this hit me? Would this make me realize anything? Would I look at my, <laughs> would I look at my maids and people differently? Like, wait, are you all related? So what ends up happening is like, um, so they, they found like a, 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 they found an art tutor. And then they end up sabotaging a driver and a maid to get the mother and father in. So it's this whole family that's in this house taking care of this rich family. And then uh, it, there's a lot of toss and turns, but it's it's crazy to think just, I got a lot from it just in life, how people, it's really perception. Everything is just so so full on perception of you think one thing about somebody and you have no idea. It's the tip of the iceberg with anyone. And it was, I got a bigger realization out of it just because of, I mean, life experience, but 
definitely a, a movie worth to see. Yeah, no spoilers. Good. Definitely see it. Yeah, Best I'm picture. Probably gonna see it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, did Angela like it? Your uh, yeah, she did. And again, she was completely against it. But no one else would watch this movie with me. <laughs> so I'm like, listen, this is a really good. She loves scary movies, so I thought it was a, gonna be a like a really scary movie. And yeah. In the fact that it wasn't, I really liked because I was afraid I wasn't gonna like it. But she definitely said the. Uh, Going through all of the subtitles and all that was definitely worth it. So, so today for our main topic uh, with Chris here, we're going to be talking about the history of social media, and there's a particular reason why. We'll get to that later. Uh, <laughs> but obviously, social media—it's been so huge in the 21st century. There's no way we're going to cover all of it. We're only going to go over kind of the main ones that uh, you know we've used and uh, kind of are the biggest platforms. Uh, and we're going to go kind of chronologically. So, I think the first instance of social media for any of us. Uh, was MySpace when we were all like in middle school, high school for you, Chris. So I just wanted to kind of go around for each of these platforms, kind of go around, talk about our experiences, what we liked, disliked about the platform, when we started using it, when we stopped using it, if we have, um, and, you know, kind of just go over that and kind of compare each platform and how social media has evolved. So uh, if you want to start, I mean, Chris, you probably got on social media first just because you're a little bit older than us. When did MySpace kind of come around for you? What did you like about it? What it turned into? What did you not like? Uh, MySpace was definitely early on high school uh, I want to say sophomore year uh, somewhere in there sophomore year I would say so 2000 geez what was that 2001 two, no 2003 whatever it was two three um, so when I got on MySpace, uh, everybody, man, that's, that's crazy. Man. We used to have there was so much going on with that because I mean it's the first time you could go online and see a bio like somebody you know, you hide behind the internet, you yeah, hide behind, yeah. pic- we know it now, like it's commonality, but back then it's like when it really first taking steam and, um, doing the bulletins where you put posts, you know, yeah. like which one of your followers would you kiss? Which one of your followers would you date? <laughs> Have oh, you man. ever, or whatever, all those, you know <laughs> what I mean? Everybody did so bulletins. Much. Uh, big thing was top eight drama. I mean, people were top you, eight so you top drama. for those people that don't know, you had eight friends that you could post. And then later on, they did a ton more. Yeah. But I always kept, you could do more or less. And then, uh, but first it was eight. So it was eight friends. So everybody, you know, my, me and my friends, we would have like some athletes, even though it probably wasn't even their actual MySpace. We'd have like an <laughs> athlete we were interested in there. We'd have a girl or whatever. And then you could see day by day how people acted in high school if it would affect their top eight. Yeah. So it was like, it was a, seriously a, a daily thing. In in the very beginning, I don't know if when you guys got on there, very beginning you were only allowed like three photos. So you could only post certain photos and then that's mm. it. When the movie 300 came out, the original 300 movie, they then expanded it to 300 photos. That is, that is what, what it actually took off. Yeah, yeah. What what a a interesting marketing. Yeah, Tom, Tom was a smart man. So, <laughs> Tom. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, that was definitely a time, especially like I said earlier on, and then obviously when my age group, two thousand six, started getting into the Facebook with the college IDs. Um, that's when we kind of geared off MySpace. But I will tell you what, MySpace gave people what I never even knew was the first sign of like um, computer coding because you can embed videos, backgrounds. Mm -hmm. There was so much people learned without knowing they were learning. Yeah. And I wish it was more like that now because it it really was. It's 
literally designing a web page with like no, it being in sixth grade. Having, yeah. having glittered <laughs> signs in backgrounds. I mean, I saw seven, seven, seventh graders doing, putting YouTube videos to play automatically in order with glittered backgrounds. It's People, crazy. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, and they're like, oh, it's just, you know, embed, hyphen, <laughs> and hearts. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. Oh, you, Isaiah? I absolutely, I started on MySpace, and I loved MySpace. It's interesting to me to think, though, because, like, it was easily the most customizable of the social medias. It would be baffling what people would be able to do with now. their current knowledge of design people's myspaces would be off the chain yeah it would be yeah. crazy um but i i would say the top eight drama was probably one of my favorite things i remember it's so good i remember beefing with josh because he had uh a profile for jesus as his number one i was like bro he's my number one <laughs> He's always number one. Lord and Savior, number one. <laughs> it's really his profile, I it's said. his picture playing basketball. <laughs> yeah, but um, that and the uh, PC for PC culture was my was where I started. That was where I... Uh, the first ever shoot your shot, Isaiah, was re- released on the internet. For PC. For PC for PC, which stood for picture comment for picture comment that was me dude i was kobe in the fourth on those <laughs> Damn. Damn. what about you zach were you on uh, myspace i caught it near the end i would probably say because i really my i mean the best part was just the top at however many amount that you want to have i think you could go up to like 32 at one point if you were really wanting to let people know how you feel but nothing, <laughs> but nothing was better than just dictating how your day was going by manipulating your top four or eight i want to know home. i would love to be able to see who my top eight was when i left myspace I oh same here those eight friends yeah were. what like what ha- d- okay so myspace turned into a musical platform yeah essentially but People were still getting into their old one, and I want to know how. Yeah, I don't have my. I don't even I don't have my. Email. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure if you know the login, you can still get in. But like, I don't know it. I definitely don't. And there's know no that. way to retrieve it. It was my AOL. Like when I had AOL Instant Messenger, it was like that email, or whatever. Yeah, was. mine was set up to my AIM Instant Messenger. Yeah, <laughs> but that service no longer exists, so yeah. you can't log in to your AIM Instant Messenger. To think so, I was yeah. chatting in like eighth grade, seventh grade with online like you were chatting, yeah. And then think about it, I was chatting in fifth grade and sixth fifth grade, grade. <laughs> leaving away messages, going to play with my friends back later. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Uh, for me, I did. Chris set up a profile for me when I was in sixth grade, two thousand six, and uh, you know I, I was on MySpace for quite a while. Um, definitely got into the. Um, you know, designing your web page, hiding your music so it automatically plays and they can't turn it off. Oh, and, um, things like that. And then, uh, you know, obviously the top eight. Funny story about the top eight. Um, my nickname for those that, that you know, don't make close to me, that aren't close to me, um, I um, had the nickname of Joshua Line, which I used also in my wrestling. Uh, eventually changed to Joshua Singh. Singh, you know, having a correlation to Lion. And that actually came from MySpace. There was a band called Driver Side Impact that I loosely knew the basis of through a friend. Uh, like, my friend's older sister was dating the basis. So I, like, you know, when you're that young, you're like, 
you think you're cool. Like, I know this band. Like, literally, when it, you know that. Yeah, when in reality, like, I met the bassist once. So they they came out. I don't know what happened to this band, by the way. But they came out with an album called The Lion. And they, like, posted on MySpace, you'd post bulletins. Yeah. Because uh, there were no, like, statuses at first. And they said, like, hey, if you put The Lion in your profile name and send us, you know, your email, we'll put you on our top eight. Or our top friends. So I put Josh the Lion and I was in their top friends. And I don't know why, but that just like kind of caught on in school to the point where like people were like, like, oh, hey, it's Josh the Lion. Like it became a thing. So even after like my, um, my fandom of that band ended and all that, I still kept that name, you know, Josh the Lion moving forward. And it's funny that like things like that can just spawn, like Chris was saying, like people acting in school, how it's like you do something online and then it affects your real life. Yeah. That was like the first instance that I experienced, you That's know, something crazy. like that. Um, and also with MySpace, um, the top the top friends thing is always hilarious. Um, I remember like you'd get in fights with your friends over each other's tops. Like, why are you number one in mine, but I'm only number four in, <laughs> in yours. Yeah. Uh, but one thing too with MySpace, before I got off of it, that I wanted to bring, you know, the kind of a common theme through these platforms is once it started losing its popularity and like Facebook started rising you could see MySpace adopt a lot of things to like where eventually you could message people on MySpace or you could like you know post statuses or or things like that and I think it's always interesting it's like a sign of when you know like a social media is going away is when they start just kind of copying what's hot on other social medias so I thought that was interesting but we did all eventually uh, whether how soon or how late it was, did jump to Facebook eventually. Zach, what was what was your experience with Facebook when it first came out, and then do you still use it now? I think I I don't necessarily say I use Facebook now as much as I more of just use it as the messenger app for Facebook more than anything at this point in time for Facebook. Um, Facebook was one of those things where I actually didn't really like it. At first, um, I was so big, and I think that was just partly due to me getting on in the MySpace so late. I was like, yeah, MySpace is great. Why is everyone switching over here? I just got here. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, out of all of the face, or I should say, of all of the social medias, I think this one's probably has, had kept me around the longest, um, still visiting it once in a while. Uh, it's, uh, the only thing I have to give or say bad about Facebook is there's nothing like really in there that like really like pops or drags me all my attention to it. Like MySpace, you had the top X amount of people, Twitter and Instagram, just more like photo based. I feel like, I guess Facebook's a little bit more video, but as we'll talk later now, there's even more specific social medias for that nowadays. Uh, yeah, I followed some girl uh, from MySpace to she led me to Facebook. <laughs> She's like, just message me on Facebook. And I was like, I don't have one of those, so what's up? So, yeah. And then after that, Facebook literally became for me uh, like just the worst. Dude, think about what an 8th grader could post. Just shit posts all over the place. And then just tracking the whole middle school petri dish of dating and just being like oh this person's oh, dating they're really and they're signal three days later what's up yeah. it's your boy, it's your boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was a trash tier human being for a while but it's fine but yeah early facebook was a weird place especially whenever there's people like zach who were still on myspace and not mm-hmm. going to facebook it was like an elitist culture of being like, yeah, I don't really use MySpace anymore. I'm on Facebook now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was there so much. Yeah, and it was like, 
for probably until what, like we were sophomores in 2010 where people started going to Twitter, but there was Facebook was a weird place back then. And now Facebook is a completely different place, mm-hmm. but it's still equally as weird. It's yeah. <laughs> in different ways. What about yeah. you, Chris? Well, my, so this is, this is my thing. I, I went on there. Um, one of my best friends got a Facebook with the college ID. I couldn't get on there, but it seemed like it was a, like a lot of social media now. Uh, it was like an exclusive club because there was, there were certain friends. Um, it really, it wasn't, um, the parental control wasn't there. So when you got on Facebook, it's like, man, it's all me. It's all my friends. You didn't have family at that time getting on there. Like our parents, no one was on Facebook. So it was just our friends. So any free will thought that we had, we would throw on there, whether it was a picture, you couldn't do videos. They weren't uploading videos then. It was just pictures, uh, really statuses first off. Then pictures started to filter in um, and all that. But, you know, status, any free will thought you throw out there, and then the dopamine hit with the likes. You could like a comment, like a comment. Then you started just posting things to get the likes, and it really, I think that's when it really took off with that. Um, I got off, I I have a Facebook. Um, I will have to get on Facebook again with with this uh, clothing company, but I just don't go on Facebook anymore, mainly because... Uh, you know, bosses are on there. People are watching micro- microscope of parents, family. It's almost like that's the topic of conversation when you go to family events. But also because uh, uh, along with those, it's almost like, uh, how can I put it? Um, it's almost like it's like, a, it's like a party that overstayed its welcome anymore, I guess, to mm-hmm. me. That's fair. You know what I mean? That is fair. Yeah, it's it just the amount that's there anymore. You have people like family that just they post everything they do. And those are the reasons that I'm not on there. I don't, you know, my mom, for instance, I could get you going on my mom. <laughs> She'll post things that aren't even true that she hears <laughs> or repost things that aren't even true. But it's, you know, and it's like, ah. Uh, so then we go on to other platforms that <laughs> yeah that don't have them and then process over. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm very similar to, to you. Um, first of all, Isaiah, yes, very weird time when we were first on there. You know, and Chris, like you bring up doing things for the likes. You, know, you had the origin of like like for a TBH. You know, uh, like for this, like for that. You know, um, and it was a kind of a community when we were in high school. I don't like to put certain. Um, this is gonna sound really bad at first. I don't like to put certain groups of people into uh, boxes or anything like that. Boomers ruined Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, hundred percent. Like you cannot go on Facebook anymore. I have a Facebook. Don't know why. Um, and literally, the only people that I'm friends on with there are my close friends and then my uh, older family members. And like, they're the only ones that interact with me on there. I don't even know why I have it. I guess just out of courtesy of like, so my grandparents know I'm alive and vice versa. But. Um, <laughs> You know, I heard someone say, actually, it was very interesting in a TED Talk. Oh, I know, right? But I heard someone say, <laughs> they were like, uh, you know, people say they keep their Facebook to keep in touch with your family members that you don't talk to. And it's like, but you're not keeping in touch with them. You keep your Facebook as an excuse so you don't have to keep in touch with them. And I thought that was a very it's good true. point. I mean, you know? it's true. Yeah, like, when's the last time I actually spoke to my family member that I see post on Facebook? Like, does that count? Is that like, oh, we have a connection on Facebook, so therefore I don't have to talk to you? I do think it's a very interesting <laughs> dynamic, Bye. but... I got the quote for the month. Let's go on to this <laughs> but, name. Um, 
Yeah, they they did ruin it, unfortunately. <laughs> and it's yeah. weird because it seems at least right now, singular to that platform, like when boomers get on Twitter or uh, I don't know Instagram or whatever, it doesn't seem to have as big of an impact of like on the platform. But Facebook, for whatever reason, is kind of like that, like. Oh, you know, they're on Facebook. Like, okay, let's let's stay away from there. I don't know. It's interesting. But Facebook at one time was very interesting. It was kind of like the Huge Wild West. Yeah. <laughs> and it's had yeah. probably, I would say you could put Twitter up there too, especially with our president. But, like, it's Facebook had, like, one of the biggest impacts just on our society, like, In as general. a whole. Like, it's yeah. still a big deal to this day, you know, with a ton of people having Facebook. But um, yeah. then... As, I remember. I will. I'll take the transition. On okay. This. I re- actively remember the first time people's friends, like parents, started getting on Facebook, and the literal mass exodus that was everybody going to Twitter was <laughs> oh, one insane, dude. Yeah. I was gonna bring that up too. That's how I switched over to Twitter. I was like, all right, my parents are on this now. I think this is outlived its welcome. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. I was like, how am I gonna ship post when my dad knows? Yeah. When you're looking across the <laughs> long table and it's ever, your parents, you're like. I gotta go. I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the mass exodus was so funny. Because I'm like, why is nobody posting? Because my parents didn't get on Facebook until for a while. But I was like, why is nobody posting on here anymore? And then people are like, follow me on Twitter over here. I'm like, all right, I'm over here now. What's up? <laughs> um, but, dude, it was so funny. As soon as people started seeing their parents... They're like, we can't go here anymore, guys. Yeah, Yeah, everybody, let's get out. (laughs) I think the cool thing with Twitter, for me at least, it was the first social media where I didn't get it and I didn't understand it until I got an iPhone, a smartphone. You can go on Twitter on your computer and use it just fine, but it's like the experience social media, the experience of social media, I feel like first evolved to like needing a smartphone with Twitter because Twitter was much more quick. It was like, what are you doing right now? You know, what are you talking about right now? And you're not always at your computer. So it was like with Facebook, you could go on your laptop, be on Facebook, and then you're off and you're in the real world. For me, Twitter was the first time where it's like, I always am on Twitter, like on my phone, even when I'm not looking at it, like it's right there. It's a part of me. I will always be going on Twitter. So I think that part was the biggest impact to me as far as like what's trending, you know, all those different types of things. Uh, And still to this day, Twitter is the one I use absolutely the most over anything else because of those same reasons. It's where I get my news. It's where I get, you know, sports results. It's like Mm -hmm. where I get basically, it's pretty crazy actually. And just this past week after my boy, Andrew Yang dropped out of the race, (laughs) I got off Twitter for a couple of days and um, I was like going through withdrawals and like, I still had Instagram on my phone. I don't have Facebook on my phone. I saw Instagram on my phone, but it was like a, that wasn't enough. I'm like, oh, I'm like, I need. Well, I'm like, what's going you on in the world? Itch. I don't know. So oh like, I'm already back on. You know, and it's like it's not good. <laughs> like, I feel like that's not good, but it's like it has that big of a part, at least on my life. But I mean, what do you, what's your guys' experience with it? Yeah, Twitter for me. Um, Twitter for me is the reason why I ever take a, a social media hiatus. It it's so difficult to be not checking Twitter all the time so that I don't know it's also the one of the social the social media that we have on the list today it's the one that I don't think I ever fell in love with like I never loved being on Twitter um but everybody else did so I was just like I guess I will also coexist on Twitter um but yeah I don't know something about it it rubs me the wrong way I don't know I don't think I like the CEO's problem <laughs> Jack I Dorsey. Like, yeah, I don't like Jack Dorsey. <laughs> you, are you a fan of the Zuck? Yeah, because he's an alien. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Zach? What's your experience with Twitter? I love the convenience of Twitter. It's. I think I also enjoy the fact that I don't have to go 
onto this social media and I have to read a paragraph long thing if I am just like trying to skim or I could like watch a quick video or something. I view Twitter as definitely more of a convenience factor to where I could pull out and just go on something if I'm like in a line for like food or something. It's like just that super convenient social media. Uh, and I think that's this is probably the one that I'm I'm not a big social media person, as everyone here knows. <laughs> but I think this is the one I find myself on most often whenever I do find myself on social media. Um, yeah. How about you, Chris? Yeah. Um, Twitter, er, er, Twitter for me has kind of been a love-hate thing. Uh, got on it when everyone else was trying to, 2008, I would say. Uh, I feel like that's when it was getting popular. 2008 used it for about two weeks uh got off of it for about five years six years <laughs> jumped back on and i'm like whoa it said i joined in 2008 <laughs> it's like immediately oh, i'm like i'm glad i joined at that time makes me look like i've been here forever no uh yeah that's definitely one that's uh it's like it's almost like the party was being set up the whole i keep using this analogy but this is what it's like it's like the party was being set up and i wasn't one of the early pioneers to start using it because it just at the time, it didn't have any relevance to me. I felt like, uh, you know, with Facebook, everyone was still, that I knew was still on Facebook. A lot of people didn't understand Twitter. I think that was uh, mostly kids that were younger than me more so got on there. Um, but That was me. I was the Yeah. Kid, so. But the thing, with, the thing with Twitter that I really like is that um, other than, like, there not being any... Uh, any filters, things being taken down because of it, it, any explicit content. I just like the freedom of Twitter, but also, like Josh pointed out, the news. I mean, you have sports anchors, you have newscasts. They'll put it on Twitter first before updating anything else. I, I'll have family members or friends tell me about news that came out that I already saw on Twitter six hours ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, they're waiting tonight at 11. I saw it this morning. You know what I mean? At 10. So, yeah, you got follow Woj. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Woj. No, but I, I do... Twitter's okay, uh, to, to Isaiah's point. I just never did fall in love with it. I'm not in love with it. I go on there once in a while uh, just to kind of see like just what's happening quickly. Maybe even out of boredom, but I mean, <laughs> and then you find an excuse to get off. You're yes. like, ah, uh, this is why I left. Yes, <laughs> you're like, ah, oh. yeah. For me, it's like you see the one tweet, and you're like, I have That's to delete it. this fucking app. It's <laughs> <laughs> like every other tweet. No, um, there are two things that I remember that Twitter has really introduced, and the first one, um, you see it a lot, and it actually is in the name is subtweeting. Subtweeting is the cancer of all social media. <laughs> um, and then two, this is where we are introduced to the verified badge. Yeah. That yeah. all of the social medias from yeah. here down, um, we all, all of them have it. Uh, and that is one of the most coveted things, I think, in the, like, in the world right now is getting verified is, like, so big, especially on Twitter and on on TikTok are people want this verified or popular creator yeah, badge or whatever and, and on Instagram it is mm -hmm. so weird to me that that is such a coveted good and it's just a blue check mark like it's very weird <laughs> it's very weird and i understood it for people like the rock or you know people like that but it's like once it started going to just like normal people that had a lot of followers and it's that's where it, the kind of the cultism right. you know kind of but where do you in today's society where do you draw the line between 
a famous person like The Rock and someone who's a normal person but has a lot of followers. It's blurring more and more, right. you know, so it's really, it's kind of difficult. Yeah, I'll get, I'll actually get into that a little bit more, I think, at the end of the segment, um, because I do feel like one of the platforms kind of helped remedy that situation, but yeah, I'll get yeah, into that. It's, it's weird because, like, any creator or tweeter, whatever you want to call them, like, who is screaming to get verified, <laughs> it's just like, please, Daddy Twitter, validate me. Say Daddy I'm popular. Twitter. <laughs> All I want is my blue check mark and my extra tab saying that other blue check marks interact with me. Whoa. Um, like, dude, fuck off. <laughs> so, Isaiah, you already mentioned it, but the next one right around the same time as Twitter, Instagram came out. It's now owned by Facebook, but originally it wasn't. Um, same thing for me, you know, it was a big part of having a phone, getting to it. I still to this day love what Instagram helps me do with my photos. You know, it's a great place to easily put photos, store them as kind of an archive and, um, you know, post nice photos and edit them to look nice. Beyond that, uh, Instagram, I'm not on it all the time. I've never been huge on Instagram. Kind of how I feel you guys said about Twitter is like for me with Instagram, I follow like 30 people. I go on there. I'm like, oh, cool. You know, check people's stories, uh, which we'll get into later. But like, um, yeah, never huge for me. I like that it's a cool photo editing platform to post photos, but like for me, it was never like that big. What about you guys? I'll go. Instagram introduced the bane of my existence, uh, and that is Instagram models, dude. I can't get enough. <laughs> yes, I can't get enough Instagram models, dude. I just collected my followers. I'm just like, damn, I got so many Instagram. They're like models. Pokemon. I gotta, I gotta clean them out. I gotta get new ones. I do gotta say, the best thing I've ever heard. Uh, I don't have much to say. I got an Instagram. Yeah. As of two weeks ago, on oh, yeah. the podcast. Welcome, welcome to Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I want to know. Can you send me a screenshot of what your search tab looks like? Because I want to know what a clean one looks like. Oh, I'll seen, let you know. I haven't seen one of those. It's like no matter how I, many good habits I build, it's still they're still there. I just don't even have that picture. I still need to get that uploaded on there. Awesome. What about you, Chris? Um, yeah, uh, Instagram. To me, it was one that I wasn't in love with in the beginning, and that actually has become. Probably my primary application I use, uh, kind of like what Josh said, it's I use it as a photo album. Um, obviously, more now with building a business, uh, there's a lot of advertising that's free. I think the thing with uh, the thing with with any of this is any of these social media applications is um, it's really by just popularity, it's it's becoming I mean free advertisement. Uh, meaningful advertisement. I feel like instead of uh, you going on something and there being a side ad bar just shoving things down your throat, which has become a lot of what Facebook and a lot of other ones do, uh, you don't get that as much. And even if there is advertisements on Instagram, you just scroll. Right. It's just teaching you. To, I mean, in the videos that are posted, you know, you, you can choose if you want to watch the full one with Instagram TV now. Um, I really do like Instagram because you can, like Josh said, you put together a nice portfolio. Um, obviously, people have their own things of, you know, there, there's always that stigma of of whether or not any of these social media apps, if competing with other people, how nice people's lives are. You have to take all of this with a grain of salt. Treat it like their own, someone's own uh, photo album. It doesn't mean that's their real life. doesn't mean yeah. that's my real life. Right. It's just, you know, you want to curate and make some nice photos to look back on i used to have uh what was that app that you could go back what was that called oh yeah time hop. Time, hop. Oh. Mm -hmm. time hop yeah and it would go back i used to like that um to go back on 
Yeah, good and bad memories for some of them. But, <laughs> yeah. 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 Most but it sometimes it's like, oh, I gotta go to delete that. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> shit. It, sometimes it's bad, but it's actually looking out for you. It's like, hey, man. Yeah. Okay, so, remember this. Never forget this. <laughs> yeah. Instagram is Instagram is cool, but I think it's the number one app out of anything. Well, it. I, I say number one, but it was really what I think is the. Uh, the big thing with the likes uh, what really created oh, yeah. the whole generation of doing anything for a like has been that Instagram, including you know Instagram models and all that. So yeah, I would say that Instagram is the pinnacle of social media at this point. I think that the other social medias we're going to talk about moving forward are kind of more niche. Yeah, um, but I think that Instagram is the pinnacle of social media at this point. There yeah. could be more to come. Yep. As we as we see, there are some more in here that are niche, and then they but they could blow up and be crazy. But as of right now, it doesn't seem like there's another Instagram level social media. Yeah, yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I, like with you, what you said, Chris, it brought up a really good point when you said like look back on his memories. I feel like a lot of time when you have a memory of something, you remember it much better than that memory actually was, right? Like, you forget the shitty things that happened yeah. mm-hmm. on your trip to Cedar Point. You only remember that, how good that day was. It's like when people post to Instagram, they're creating that memory ahead of time. Yeah. Like, yeah. you're creating this memory mm-hmm. of, like, this is how good it was in the present. So right. it's really important. It's and Everyone falls for it, but it's like when you're looking at people on Instagram, it's like they're basically showing you what they want their memories to look like. They're yeah. not showing you what's happening. That's exactly. That. And especially with like with models or, or anybody, any influencer or anything, it's it's tough to be like, why is my life so shitty? But then I go on these people's Instagrams, <laughs> maybe even people that I know. Why is my friend Joe's life so fucking awesome on their Instagram and my life so shitty? But in real life, your life's probably the same. It's, <laughs> it's probably bullshitty. Right. Yeah. So that is that is definitely one of the dangers. Um, yeah. That's this what ne- I should do. I should post on Instagram every day I go to work my desk. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know what? A video of your boss yelling at you. Yeah, and I wanted to say too, I mean, Facebook, one of the things going, just to make a point about Instagram, Facebook anymore, when you're scrolling Facebook, how many of the photos that are posted on there ported from Instagram? Yeah. Before Instagram or was purchased by Facebook, mm-hmm. I mean, once they created that, it was just, that's when I'm like, yeah, it's time to head out. <laughs> so yeah so the next one this is kind of where i turn into old men ye- old man yelling at cloud i never got snapchat even as a single man i was like oh like i guess if i ever get nudes from someone this will be cool <laughs> yeah. i never got, i never got what else i would use it for but like dude like to my friends like i'm not gonna send you a picture let's just fucking hang out and the only cool feature on it that i thought was the story feature that they introduced where you can add snaps to your story mm. but then instagram just copied that so i'm like yeah. oh i'll just go do this on instagram yeah. and every still like every year or two someone will be like you know oh, dude did you see this guy snap and i'm like oh i guess i'll download snapchat and then i'll watch like their one snap story and then <laughs> we have a guest coming into the room join yeah my nova. my instagram snapchat live-in model nova has <laughs> broken out of my room and is now running rampant through the studio but yeah i've never gotten everything Hello. <laughs> i've never got snapchat so i can't i don't have much to say about it but w- what do you guys think of it I'm big, it's the I'm worst. It's the fucking worst. <laughs> it's the worst. Um, I will actually, I'll go, I, I, I think we might even be, I don't know if Isaiah, do you use Snapchat that often? I use Snapchat every single day. You do? Okay. So you might be with me. So one of the big things with Snapchat that I really love, and I use it almost all the time every day, is um, I like the fact that when I want to send a photo to somebody, whether it be 
whether it's a selfie, whether it's something I'm doing, whether I want it to be more private, is I can send it, it's away. I don't have to worry about the storage on my phone. Right. And then if I want to save it, I will. But this is one thing I really like about Snapchat, and I have for five, six years now. The camera for Snapchat, I like a lot. I like not just the filter part or any of that, but the camera itself has always seemed to take really good pictures. And it's fast. And it's fast. Yeah, where when I go on, it's just, it's a different experience for those Snapchat users that that are listening, and maybe some agree, maybe some don't, but it just seems like that, um, to be able to take a picture of something and be like, you know what, I'm going to add that to my story. I want other people to check that out. Yeah, I think that the camera, it's like, it doesn't, the camera itself on Snapchat doesn't have the features that uh, like a full camera would have that you'll see either on the camera app on your phone or on Facebook or something like that. Um which is good because 90% of the time I don't need those. And you're no. just slowing down mm-hmm. the thing that I need to do. Do you watch, Isaiah, do you watch any of like the, uh, do you watch any of like the episodic yeah. Snapchat stories? That, uh, it was interesting. I was not super into it at first. And then I started watching Stay Tuned, which is like yes. the NBC News thing. Yep. Um, so that's kind of where I get like the headline articles. Um,. And then I watch a. I used to watch one, uh, a gaming one, but they were actually kind of like a day behind. Yeah. And I started getting it from YouTube. It's another one where I've I've gotten a lot of my sports news from. If I want to see uh, sports highlights, uh, Snapchat's been terrific for people who don't know or don't use that. I feel like I had no idea. The one that really comes to mind is I feel like this is where Barstool kind of gets 95% of their con- like content. <laughs> it's yeah. just some crazy, ridiculous Snapchats. And I know that there's like a split on how people feel about Barstool, but some of their shit is so funny. So I'll, really check, I'll check out the Barstool stuff on there too. Yeah. Um, so then the next one... Um, I'm pretty sure, actually, we reference back to the Pauls. Yeah, they got big on the next one. Yeah, Vine. Vine. It was really the first one besides YouTube that like made video a big part of social media. Instagram did the same thing they did with the Snapchat story, copying off of basically Vine. In my opinion, a big reason why Vine died was because Instagram was just like, oh well, we'll just add video, and then (laughs) and Vine was like, oh well, you can only be six seconds here, and that was what made them really (laughs) popular in my opinion, but also was their downfall because it was like at first it was like, oh, really easy, quick six second videos, how funny and clever can you make it? And then after like a year, it was like, okay, I I think we're done with the whole six second video thing, (laughs) and they weren't going to change it. Um, So I think that they were like the inventors, and Instagram was the innovator, and then we'll get to the perfecter <laughs> next yeah. um but vine was that first one that was kind of the pioneer i loved vine mm-hmm. a lot of uh celebrities got on vine people like the pauls got famous on vine and then moved to youtube after uh so i respect kind of what it did for social media but unfortunately you know r.i.p it's already gone <laughs> yeah i think they they came mm-hmm. out was it the creator of it said the reason he did it that long is because the average span on social media at that time for a viewer with six seconds before they would either click scroll or go to something else. So he just wanted to make the full video quick, which makes perfect sense Mm -hmm. if that's what you're doing. It's just that some people, when you really, really like it, that's just not enough. Yeah. So makes sense. Right. It it plays into the Netflix culture after that, right? I'll watch six seconds of a thing, and if in that six seconds it gets me, then I want to just gorge on that thing. (laughs) Yes. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting to me that Vine, like, literally closed shop because I feel like they did so much for, like, internet entertainment and memes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, 
And it's weird to think that MySpace still exists. <laughs> but you can't get a Vine. But you can't get... I can't find... Like, the only Vines I'm ever going to find are in compilations. Yeah. yeah. Nah, or if you've saved them, yeah. It's right. pretty crazy to think. But well, I guess let's talk about the next step. So TikTok um, has been around for a while, actually. It is mm-hmm. my new addiction. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. it's really kind of exploded the last couple of years. So anyone who's not aware of Chris... Has gotten quite a following on TikTok. How many followers? Sixty-five thousand uh, followers. Sixty-five, yeah. And when Chris start, first started sending us TikToks, it was very similar to like Musically, which I think Musically just turned into TikTok. TikTok I bought Musically. Okay, okay. Yes, yes. I wasn't sure if the exact what, what the thing was yeah. there. And um, for me, I think what's crazy about TikTok, it's still a niche thing, but it's like crazy how it's turned basically um, from Musically slowly into just basically the biggest competition YouTube has ever had. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying it's this huge competition to YouTube. Like, YouTube's still insane. But, like, it's really the only other video platformer where you can really do whatever you want and make whatever you want. And, Chris, you can get into, I don't know how monetization yeah. works and all that. But, yeah. like, it, it really seems like everyone's going there because you can make video content that's not limited by six seconds. And you can literally make whatever you want. It's yeah. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. So, but go ahead, Chris. Talk about how you first got on it and, you know, how you've seen it change. Well, yeah. I'll keep it pretty simple. So I got on it when it was still Musical.ly. It was a couple of years ago. And then they made that transition to TikTok. What they basically did is Musical.ly was more so for uh, an older crowd. Uh, it going to TikTok also allowed underage kids to get on there. And I'm going to go – I'm just going to quickly hit the pros and cons too. But I got on there. Um, so I used to be part – I used to have a, uh, an app called Dub Smash, which was – which was really fun. Um, that it would play a of like a an audio, and you would voice that audio. It would say the words. You would voice it, and then it would be your your face voicing the actor or whatever okay. you want to do. Yeah. And we thought that was hilarious because there were meme videos, vines, things like that that were on there, and you would do yourself. Um, so that was fun. So TikTok kind of musically that was kind of another rendition of that. Uh, so when I got on there, I loved doing acting videos. I, I've always just liked acting. I've always just liked doing um, just silly videos like that. And that was a way to do this. And people apparently liked my selection, like how I do them. Syncing a voice on an app is extremely difficult. No one goes on there and does it their first time. It's taken me <laughs> hundreds of, of tries on each of these videos. Um, but yeah, I mean, it... it one of the big cool things about this is that it is for creators. It is for people that feel weird for doing something, go on there and do it, and actually get people that like and support them. Um, that is one of the big things with it. And I mentioned before when we were talking about that verified check. Yeah. How, so TikTok came up with this with this thing. And before it was a TikTok verified. But then what they started doing is giving them subtitles. So you have what's called a popular creator. Um, you have a, uh, uh, popular creator. There's a couple of them for some reason it's slipping my head, but, um, they like almost give them like sub verified accounts. So, you know, when you go on their profile, what they're, what they're verified for. And that is such a genius idea because now you were just chasing one thing. Now it can actually slot you in with other people. So I thought that was really neat. Um, but the, the con of it is what we call, or at least a lot of us creators will call, is the catching a case syndrome, which is all of the 15-year-olds 
Because the thing is, there's a report button, but you know, what's happening now is you download the app, and they have what's called a For You page, or your following page. People you follow, you can stick on that side, and you can scroll and support the people you follow. They have what's called a For You page, and the algorithm of it is unknown. People say they have it figured out. They don't. TikTok does. But it scrolls kind of like the Explorer uh, selection on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Just a bunch of different people. And you can just scroll and see them. They're from all over the world. Somewhat of the world, but mainly sticks into your uh, your region, so the United States. Yeah. And you scroll and see just a bunch of random stuff. And it's it's neat. But what happens is, is a lot of these younger kids are trying to imitate what a lot of the older people are doing. You know, you get some videos where they're doing the renegade to uh, to Charlie, to whatever her name is. Yeah, and really, really low crop top. You can see the underboob. <laughs> and at first, you don't know her age because if they don't post it, you don't know. Yeah. So you're like, oh, wow, okay. And then you go to their profile to see, okay, what are they doing? And it says, Florida, 15. You're like, <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> Yeah, it's I, like you know, I mean, I, that is one of the big problems they're having right now is regulating that, um, because people get reported for much, much less. But it's and that was the whole issue when it went from Musically to TikTok. So that's where I'll leave it right now. And I, I was jumping on that for me. I talked about Snapchat being the old man yelling at the cloud. Yeah. Uh, kind of the same way with TikTok. However, the the biggest hurdle for me you know with you bringing that up is like every time i download it i don't know enough creators because i do have a tiktok account i follow you a few other people that are really funny and i don't know enough creators to just like go on the following tab and like that would take me 30 seconds (laughs) you know it's like oh there's all the content so like the for you tab for me is just like i cannot like i'll I'll scroll through it and every once in a while there'll be like a funny tiktok or something i like but there's just so much like you know, just like the underage girls, or even not underage, but just like a normal girl, you know, like doing something that's just like, you know, if, if I, yeah, if I don't want to watch this content, how do I get to the content I like without having to scroll through a hundred of these? Like, yeah, I don't want to like slut shame any girl or anything. That's not what I'm trying to do. But it's just right. like if that's not the content I want to watch, or other side too, like shirtless ripped dudes. It's like how do I get to the good content that I want? And it's very tough to do that on the for you page. I feel like, and it's sometimes I feel like the juice isn't worth the squeeze. I'll just wait for Chris or you or someone to send me a really funny TikTok and be like, oh, look at this TikTok. Yeah, because in essence, it's become the new meme. It's become the new video meme. The yeah. longer Vine is is. You said now that it's taken over. And I know <clears throat> Isaiah probably has a lot. Is just is just a follower going through. Uh, TikTok took off so fast, and I mean, when I got on there, um, say three years ago, three and a half years ago, three years ago, uh, when I got on there, started making some content. <clears throat> there wasn't that much. The, the famous people you would hit on the for you page quite a bit. Uh, then all of a sudden, it seems in the last year to year and a half. It has went if I could if I could just give a scale here, it went from like a two story building to a hundred story building, how fast it grew. Everyone has it because you don't have to create, you can just you can just spectate. So Yeah, and I think that that's the interesting thing about social media algorithms in general and TikTok is when uh, social media blows up like that and goes from this 20 story to 100 story, it's like a tidal wave. Any little altercation to the algorithm may send a tidal wave of views to some random Mm -hmm. person. Right. And then not only you get the splash of that wave crashing into them and people being like, oh, this is what TikTok wants. 
I'll oh, me make content like them. Yeah. Um, but for me, 90% of the time, going through my For You page is like sifting for gold. <laughs> I'm like, ah, it is my responsibility to find <laughs> the creators and then tell my friends about them. Um, and some of them, off the chain, dude. Some of them are so funny. Yeah. But yeah, there is a lot of just me being like, nope, 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 uh, nope. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and there is an option, you know, if you're if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I have TikTok, and there is an option where if you hold down the video and you don't like it, there's a not interested button. So if you hold the video down, it'll come up with not interested. You can click on that, and it will not it it will deviate from that type of content. That's one thing that has kind of helped. You're still going to get. I mean, you're still going to. It's one of the things where it's it's you know which side of the blade you want to be on because they're trying to let it be where there's a ton of people that get these opportunities, yeah. a ton of creators, but at the same time, they don't want to cut out a bunch of people for being able to narrow it in. So they're right. trying to be different and be a pioneer with that, but there's a lot still to figure out. Like for the first time, you can now click on the top of your screen and just look at people that commented your videos. Before you didn't get that. Before it was just a giant feed of thousands of people and you had no idea who was doing what you know Damn. so yeah. and i do want to say too with that i think youtube falls into the same thing uh except it's a little bit easier on youtube to be like i'm subscribed to this pe- these people this is what i'll watch you know because it's longer format but even if you go to the homepage recommended on youtube it has the same option where you know recommend you videos and if you don't like it you can hit not interested um but i do feel like the, th- the same problem people complain about on YouTube seems to be the same thing with TikTok. Both platforms. For every person our age who uses a platform, there's a hundred kids to match us, yeah, right? Probably. We're outnumbered on all social medias. Yeah. So what do 10-year-old boys like? You know what I mean? Like, really right. fast energy. They like hot women who aren't wearing a lot of clothes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, these are the things they like. Yeah. So for... If a million kids are watching that, that's what's going to be promoted. It's the same thing with, like, Logan Paul, Jake Paul, all those people with their kind of, like, fast energy, you know, crazy videos. Why are those so popular? Because of kids. So it, it makes it difficult to kind of accept, I guess, for me. It's like, why am I on this app that's clearly for kids? <laughs> you know? But it's like... It's the same thing with YouTube, though. You know? It's like, on YouTube... I do that. I fight that battle, but it's like YouTube has because it's been around for so long. And the next, like, if we were going to do another episode like this, YouTube would have its like own episode. You yeah. know what I mean? Because yeah. it's been through so much. Yeah. YouTube's yeah. had the time to do that. TikTok hasn't. So TikTok's just been hit with this, and they're like, ah, you know. So I'm yeah. just imagining their algorithm like freaking out. And, and it's like, the same <laughs> thing as you know, we go to something because no parents, nobody's there, and how, there's a huge thing with creators, uh, including myself, is when I got on there. No one I knew was on. There was not a single person I knew on there. So I could literally do stuff that I had no ramifications of. I'm hoping they'll make some changes and do things like that. I think they're in a good direction. And everyone, like I said before, uh, everyone just seems to have this app. And it's it's for a casual user. You have 10, 10 minutes in line somewhere. You just kind of you open it up and flip through it because it's, it's simple yeah. enough, you know? So Yeah, I think that... Uh... The difference really right now between TikTok and YouTube is like, if you make a, you have your, Josh specifically, you have your YouTube algorithm tailored to you for Mm -hmm. what, seven years of data (laughs) and kind of knows what you like. So if you made a new YouTube account, it's going to give you a bunch of different bullshit and Mm -hmm. you're just going to, they're just trying to see what sticks. 
and you specifically know what YouTube creators you want. So you could go ahead and then start that algorithm mm-hmm. in the right path. With TikTok, we have no fucking idea. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know who I like. I, I don't even know if they exist on TikTok if I like them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, yeah. I mean, if you're going to open one, on them. if yeah. you're going to open a TikTok, I would definitely start by following Top Gun Shum. I think he is, <laughs> That's how I started, and I love great. it. Yeah. Uh, we've gone really long. Uh, Isaiah's late for his brunch, so I think we should wrap this up. <laughs> um, but thanks, Chris, for coming on one last Thank time. Thank you very much. If you want to plug anything, anything like that. Yeah, um, so I have Lava Clothing Company. Uh, search it on Instagram, Lava Clothing Company. Uh, it'll pop up there. Uh, right now I'm on Instagram, just kind of giving my journey. I look for a lot of fan feedback. want this to be a completely different experience. That's my number one thing. Uh, is doing this, I don't want it to be like every other brand. I want it to be a completely separate brand. Uh, quality is the biggest thing with me. Quality and comfort and clothing. I think a lot of times you buy clothes and you wear it a few times or you just wear it because because it looks nice, but it's not that comfortable. And this is something I want to bring both of those together. I want it to look sharp. I want it to look sleek. I want it to be something that it, you know it does what you're paying for it to do. Uh, I've done a lot of, uh, of polls where, and I've asked people, you know, what are you willing to pay for? Something that just looks cool or do you want something with quality? Do you want comfort or style? And everyone chooses quality and comfort, everybody. So this is something that I think this could uh, definitely hit with you. Again, we are opening the the, um, the Lava Clothing Company store online. I'll post that on my Instagram as well, end of March. So I appreciate it. Yeah, thank I'm you guys pumped for too. I'm excited. All right, what about you, Josh? Um, Josh Hooligan R on Twitter and Instagram, Josh Martin 7 on Letterboxd. I noticed a lot of people that we know have joined Letterboxd this past week. Um, so that's cool. Glad to see that community grow. Um, and then Joshua Hooligan on YouTube. Um, and I think that's it. Nice. All right, yeah. Zach. I heard you gotta. We gotta keep plugging that Instagram. We gotta keep to. Up. Maybe yeah. Maybe I'll put a picture on there. But you can find me at Zach the Pigeon on Twitter and on Instagram. Oh, dude, this is what we'll do. How many followers do you have right now? <laughs> on Instagram, no idea. I'll go check. All right, we're gonna do a face reveal, Zach. On your Instagram, when you get to a certain amount of followers, yes, what do you followers. mean? You're... They know what I... <laughs> they've seen uh, me before. Who's that? Not you don't know if they've seen you it? before. What do you? How many times has Josh <laughs> taken a picture of us <laughs> at the podcast? All right, Zach's gonna that. post his first picture on his Instagram when he has twenty <laughs> followers. He only has to get eleven <laughs> followers. We're right, almost there. Boom! Gonna... I think he just got another one. <laughs> Hell yeah! Um, uh, the best part is you're gonna have to tell me when I hit that. Yeah, because you're not gonna know. I'll tell yeah. you. I'll text you. I know. You, I'll call you, you on your it? rotary phone. It's I can fine. send you the username and password. Yeah, you just gotta send and me. Let Isaiah room. pick the picture. <laughs> yeah, I'll send you your first picture to put on Instagram. He just—he literally just starts catfishing people, Isaiah. <laughs> Dude, Zach's liking the weirdest uh, stuff, man. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Uh, you can find me on. Twitter and Instagram at emo uncle Tito. Um, yeah, we like to thank American spirits for the song you get to hear at the beginning and end of the podcast. Sugarburger. We'd like to thank Sugarburger also for the beeps and boops you hear in the podcast. Zach. <laughs> you can thank the listeners for We'd listening. Like to thank to the us. listeners for tuning into the podcast. 
And lastly, but not leastly, we'd like to thank Chris for coming on the show and talking about his clothing brand and engaging with us on things I didn't know about. A very great conversation. <laughs> and everything else that we talked about today. Um, anything else? I think that's it. You might want to there check out it. that Top Gun. Sh- if you didn't get that Top Gun <laughs> shum follow. Yeah. Um, all right, everybody. Have a good one. Uh, we'll see you next see week. You next week, we're going to be reviewing Velocipaster. Velocipaster! <laughs> On Amazon Prime, Fuck. so give it a watch. All right. Ready, Zach? One, two, three. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>